And welcome in to the Flag Hunting Podcast. This is our intro for the 2022 season. We're back. Happy New Year. Technically not 2022 yet. We've still got about 60, 66 minutes. Yeah, we actually have yeah. to 2021, but Here we're bringing in the new year with a bit of Chinese takeout and some, uh, some what is it, Mexican mules. Just going to talk a little golf and NASCAR this uh, this evening, man. So strap in. It might be a little long one compared to our usual episodes, but uh, I think Chris wants to give some special shout-outs to uh, the artist of our intro. Yeah, so you just heard the new intro for our new season. Uh, so that's going to be one of our friends, good friend of ours. At Nick's MLB Picks on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, come April, he's going to be giving you daily MLB picks. Yeah, um, he fire. was absolute fire last yeah. season. Made Post us... All Star break, I think he was like sixty. He's like sixty percent clip, over sixty percent. Yeah, so. probably gave us a lot of our money that we used. Oh, he was bankrolling my, <laughs> my golf bets for sure. So, um, so big yeah, shout out, Nick. Yes, give him a follow for sure. And um, he has a music background, so I'm sure this is just. He literally spent a few hours just kind of working on this. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll probably have a new intro at some point. We didn't even formally like ask him. We just said like. Oh, yo! Like at some point, could you like make up a make up like just a little ditty for us, and then like two hours later, he's like, "Oh yeah, it's, it's there. Done. It is. It's done." <laughs> so, all right. So uh, as we kick off this new season, um, you know, last last season was kind of our test. We wanted to see what kind of a following we can get, mm-hmm. what we could kind of accomplish in this world. Uh, we got a Twitter following, kind of all that stuff, and I was just kind of want to feel it all out. And yeah. um, so I guess the first thing we want to do is we want to kind of recap and put a little put a. Nail in the coffin for season yeah. 2021, and then we're gonna, yeah, and then we're gonna give you a um, nice fun episode for 2022 for you know you may be amateur in the golf world, amateur in the NASCAR world. So we have a little kind of fun game planned um, to kind of guess our way through some some names in both worlds here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but we'll start off with with putting the hat on 2021 first. Yeah. Um, do you want to kick it off with the first first one we got going here? Definitely. I mean, well, I guess we I kind of give Chris four four questions, four little outlines. Uh, so the first one was just a 2021 overall betting recap in your sport, um, or you know anything that you took away from basically the 2021 season of NASCAR or 2021 season of golf. Uh, so for me, my betting recap, I mean, pretty good. I can't complain uh, one bit, especially uh, kind of the swing season when you started this flag hunting, this flag hunting podcast. Um, got y'all three outright winners. Unfortunately, weren't able to celebrate uh, two of them because. Um, you know, the NASCAR season kind of ended right when we uh, hit those back-to-back with Herbert and, and Hovland. Um, but as for the fall, we, we were up, I believe, 170 units, something like that. So mm-hmm. we're, as, as far as golf stands, we're free-rolling for almost till the Masters. I've already, like, gridded out my budget, which is something I'll talk about later. But I've already, I've set um, kind of my clear kind of game plan going forward, how much I want to bet, how much I want to stake. Um, and, yeah, we hit, like, one more winner, we're, like, good until the Masters. So. Yeah. Uh, it's a definitely a good place to be. It's it's always tough to kind of get the first one out of the way, but hopefully you guys were able to follow us, make some money, and now we're kind of nice and bankrolled now as we go into the 2021 season. So uh, a lot of good. Could have been a lot better, though, um, as I do want to touch on uh, the heartbreak that me and Chris endured personally. Um, I don't know if how many of y'all followed it, but me and Chris had a pretty big parlay on Colin Morikawa at the end of last year. 110 to 1, uh, it would have paid... Uh, it was a parlay between his race to Dubai final um, for the last kind of European tour event of the calendar year over there. He ended up winning that event, parlayed into the Hero Challenge where he had a five-shot lead uh, with 18 holes to play. Uh, and that was, honestly, that was one of the most brutal runouts I've ever had in my entire life. Like, for for a guy of more callous stature to 
to gas can a five shot lead in like eight holes. Like it wasn't, it wasn't even like we didn't even. It's not like he just collapsed at the very end. Like we, we, our bet was like cooked an hour into the coverage, and like I was sitting here like with my prosecco and my like champagne. I was ready to pop bottles. Like my favorite golfer was going to get to number one in the world at his like at Tiger's tournament, who was his idol. Like in a Tiger fashion, like he was there, man. Like he. The winning score, Victor Hovland got to 1800. He was at 1800 to start, start the day, yeah. to start Sunday. So it's just, it's absolutely crazy. But I mean, that's just that's golf, though. I mean, we we've, we've hey, I've caught some phenomenal breaks. I mean, we we had Herbert that came through when he probably shouldn't have um, with Penjith kind of melting down the stretch there at Bermuda. Um, you know, we had guys like Hovland and Sunday have great Sundays to propel them to wins. You know, it's easy to kind of remember your bad beats, but you gotta like you gotta remember your good beats as well because water does find its level in this game. But it was definitely it was a brutal. Uh, kind of end of the season it kind of left a bad taste in the mouth especially because that would have been such a big cash for, for oh, the pod yeah. and um it would have been probably like my second biggest hit ever yeah <laughs> yeah shout out Cage lee yeah yeah that, that's our man but uh but yeah that that's basically my 2021 recap um awesome season uh all, all around and um couldn't ask for anything better so we just kind of we move on man i can't i can't wait these, these last like three weeks without like golf betting has been like some of the emptiest times <laughs> like i mean i like it, it kind of like it's all for me to say that just because like it's gambling it shouldn't be that big of a deal but just yeah. like the process of it's not really just like the, the betting like i'm, I'm not out here betting like obscene amounts of money but like it's the process i'm sure chris can relate of going to a track or going to a course and and breaking it down and and, and seeing the betting board there's so it's so multi-dimensional it's like it's addicting just to have that kind of problem solving process just going week in week out so yeah long-winded way of saying uh i can't wait to be back next week <laughs> yeah so uh i'm gonna kind of lump the first two questions that we have together here so the first one was obviously the 2020 recap and then the second question that ian had um, laid out for us is something that you learned from your first year of betting um and this really was my first year i mean like mm-hmm. even though i'm kind of tabbing myself as a nascar betting expert it was my first year so like <laughs> right. i'm not he's really... a nascar expert though chris knows just shit about nascar as you guys know but yeah first time it's it, it's a big changeup. Like, yeah, yeah. it's not it's not enough to just know a lot about the sport. You've got to figure out how to gamble yeah. in a lot of ways. You know. Yeah. So I guess my twenty twenty one recap is I literally wrote down in in words, "Not great, Bob. Not great. Um, it wasn't great. It really wasn't. Um, you know, we. I think, and kind of what I had learned too is I learned, man, outrights are really tough to hit. Yeah. <laughs> um, especially in NASCAR, and even when you think you have a lot of guys with good value, it just turns out, man, the favorite was a favorite for a reason. It didn't even matter. Um, yeah. so yeah, I think, I think, I don't even know what the final number had to be. And I think we were probably 70, 70 units in the hole or something like that. It wasn't good. Um, so thankfully Ian kept us afloat. Um, otherwise I might, uh, my half the podcast would be cut off. Uh, nah. Um, but yeah, so I think, I think, um, what I learned is really just that I think what I'm going to get into in a second is I'm going to change the strategy a little bit next year. Um, just based on how things went for me, um, in 2021, I think I'm going to go less on outrights next year. So I pretty much did half of my card on outrights, half my card on pinch positions and head-to-heads. Yeah. I'm probably going to lessen it to probably like 25% on outrights, 75% on all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Just maybe until we get positive and get yeah. a cushion, and then maybe I can go back to the half and half. But I think hitting on those head-to-heads and pinch positions is really the way to get a good bankroll going. 100%. Um, yeah. Now, I will say it's going to be really hard for me to do this because we have a new car, um, which we'll, we'll get to at some point. Um Actually, I would like to have our buddy Thomas on to kind of talk about that before the season starts because he's he knows a lot more about the technical side of the cars than I do. Definitely. Um, but we do have a new car coming in 2022, so we're going to know nothing. Um, <laughs> I mean, 
It's going to be a clean slate for all of us, essentially. Um, and the I'm guessing the debut of that car is on February 6th, the Bush Class and yeah. LA Coliseum. Yeah. So we are going to, that'll probably be the, you know, a little sneak peek we might bring Thomas on to, you know, to kind of preview the car and, and maybe some championship odds, maybe the Bush Class as well. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely a lot go, a lot more change in the world of NASCAR. It's it's but what um, I, I'm kind of was getting at is why it's going to be so hard to not bet so many outrights is because I think we're going to get great values to start because the one thing we've heard from all of these tests are that a lot of the backmarker guys are saying. It levels it. Yeah, like, yeah. This, this is level on the playing field. Like, obviously, the, the good teams are going to be the good teams at the end of the day. Like, their engineers are going to figure things out. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, these, from what I understand about this car, it's everyone's giving the same amount, the same pieces to put the car together. Yeah. You can't go buy or make your own. You have to get all your pieces from the same people, so the okay. same vendors. Yeah, yeah. So everyone's buying from the same toy shop. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, it's, it's, Leveling the playing field in a yeah. new way. Now, we'll see. We'll see how that actually. We'll see if that actually <laughs> right, right. does. Keep Level, Kyle Larson winning every race. <laughs> um, and and that's kind of. But I think early in the season, I'm going to be really hitting hardest on the driver. I mean, like yeah. the guys who can drive anything. And so you're, you're Kyle Larson, you're Kyle Busch. I mean, guys that can literally drive whatever car they're in, whatever vehicle they're in, they can drive that thing. You know, pedal the metal, it doesn't even matter. Right. Um, we're going to be hitting those guys hard because, honestly, it doesn't matter for them. Um, and that kind of – I was going to say, and bear in mind, I don't know – I know fraction, like way, way fractionally as much of NASCAR as, as Chris does. But I was going to say because it, it, it might actually help in his favor. If you are li- limiting your budget for outrights, if you do have the belief that these backmarkers can actually compete or at least the, maybe the mid-tier – can get to the point to where they can compete with these top guys. If you have 50 to 1, 41 is your card, that stretches your budget so much further than having to bet a guy at 3 to 1 right. or 4 to 1, you know, because yeah. if you're betting Kyle Larson at plus 275, that's usually, that's probably your only bet of the, oh, yeah. of the week is in an outright uh, perspective, right? So, um, so yeah, it'd be definitely really be interesting to see uh, how kind of how that shapes up um, because it's very rare that. I've been very spoiled in golf because fifty to one, sixty to ones, like they do hit. Like yeah. it's not easy to hit them, but like yeah. you know, we had a major champion, Phil Mickelson, the three hundred to one last year. You right. know, like we're in NASCAR, that's very, very rare. Yeah, I mean, you know, the only one thing I can think of off the top of my head, I think, was Almarola was sixty to one in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. I think Bubba was thirty-five to one at maybe. But he always gets steam at Super Speedways. Is the thing. Yeah, I mean, but I think he actually did have pretty decent odds for that because it was yeah. Dagan, not Daytona. He's typically better at Daytona. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's, and there's McDowell, no, obviously. Oh yeah, McDowell. Six, so six Super Speedways and, and Almirola, basically. Yeah. <laughs> that was those were our those were our back markers. Um, so yeah, and I guess that'll lead me into the question number three, and then I'll pass it back to you. Yeah. Um, so I guess the advice that I'll give be, uh, beginners um, that want to bet NASCAR for the first time, um, for me. I'm a numbers guy. Yeah. I like to sit here and look at all the speeds and stats and all the data and and all the end of the day. You don't learn as much without watching, for, especially for NASCAR. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you can probably speak to this too, just from what you've watched last year. Is the stats don't tell the full story. Yeah. I mean, you can watch a race and and clearly see who's dominator, clearly see who is um, catching speed later on, or you know different things are in the race. But when you look, t- t- you know, you just look at the stats after the race, you're like. That's not what I saw. Right. Um, so I guess really that's my advice is I know I know it sounds so just like basic, but yeah. I mean you're gonna learn more 
from watch sitting down and watching your race mm-hmm. than you are by just crunching numbers and yeah and that that goes into betting stuff that you enjoy watching yeah you know what i mean like that's why i, I just i can't bet like hockey or horse racing or stuff like that just because like <laughs> i'm just dead money because like i'm just splashing cash around i might as well just go to the roulette wheel so yeah just having that passion and having that desire to 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 watch the race and then think deeper into it and how you know you can you can just see things you know you develop an eye um for guys that you like you you see wins coming you can see if a team's improving week over week you can see if a golfer is gaining confidence right oh this guy's like he's in it like he's playing better he's he's building towards something here or or you can see the opposite you can see a guy that's like Oh, he he's like kind of lost, right. you know what I mean? And, and so, definitely, I, I absolutely agree with that. You know, it's the reason um, I try not to bet Emiliano Grillo every single week, you know, or, <laughs> or Paul Casey every single week. You know, like these guys, the stats. I mean, there's going to be guys in every sport that that stats um, will, will try and tell you they're you know the best thing. But particularly in golf, um, when you're talking about winning a golf tournament, it just takes it takes something extra between that the mental years. fortitude. Yeah, exactly, man. And and and. If you if you watch PGA Tour week in week out, you just you start to see just patterns and and um, and so yeah, I think that's a really really good uh, piece of advice there. Just you got to be able to watch it and, and that's you've got to be able to like what you're betting on. Yeah. You know, you've got to have a pat if you're if you're gonna excel in any really any endeavor, you've got to have that drive to to get better. And um, you know, if you're just looking at spreadsheets, uh, it might not always tell the, the whole story. Right. Um. So yeah, I guess my beginner advice. Uh, it's mine's gonna be just as basic as Chris's is. Uh, but it's something that a lot of people, including myself, have have a lot of difficulty with. It's just sticking to a budget. Like, it's so easy, especially Chris said it when you're betting outrights. You've got you've got all these guys pickling golf. You know, you've got these names at twenty to one, thirty to one, forty to one. You're like, I'm just gonna sprinkle all of them, and then you get to the end, and you're like, Wow, I, I even if you hit one, like you're doubling your money. You know, and yeah. over the long run, man, you've just got to stick to um, a set amount of units. You you want to, you know obviously make your exposure something that if you want to get into golf betting, you, I always just recommend setting a set amount of money you want to bet and a set amount of money you want to win. Some For some people, it's 10 times what they put in. So for some people, it's four times what they put in. It's all about risk management. It's all about how much, obviously, if you put more money in, statistically, you're going to be have more guys in the mix, but then obviously, you you feel mm-hmm. that pressure to hit more. Yeah, yeah more you know? to lose too. Exactly, right? So if you're putting in like 20 to win 100, you got to hit one in every five weeks, otherwise you you know are starting to chase a little bit. So, um, so that's what I that's what I'm going to try to do, and that's that's what this podcast has really helped me with having that unit banner at the top where I'm I'm allocating roughly twelve to fifteen units a week and, and sticking to that because when I first got started golf betting, I would have my five guys I bet pre tournament, then I'd bet some live guys, and then I'd be like, oh, how's this guy two hundred one? I'll sprinkle on him, and then I'll, all of a sudden I'm like, where'd all my money go? I just hit now right like two weeks ago, and I'm yeah. like I'm like using it all up. So. That that would be my my advice. Just don't be afraid to just okay. Like I'm just whitewashed this week. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to chase it. Hitting a winner is fucking hard, and you don't have to hit a winner every week. You know, like for me, I, I try and stay somewhere between six and seven times my ROI as far as like a six hundred to seven hundred percent ROI. Which means if I hit a winner once a month or once every five weeks, I'm I'm smoking and joking. Mm-hmm. So it it. it it limits the amount of pressure you have to feel you put on yourself to be like, oh man, I have to hit a winner or, you know, like I want to have a guy in the mix. You can just call it a week sometimes. That's sometimes the best move to be, because when you start chasing, that's when you can really do some damage to your bankroll, uh, particularly in golf when these, when these tournaments progress four days, you know, and like 
obviously everyone wants a guy everyone wants to wake up on Sunday with a guy in the mix but sometimes you just get it wrong and everyone gets it wrong so um, don't feel bad about that stick to a budget there's always another golf tournament next week heck I mean golf's one of probably the only sports on it on earth where like you can pretty much find something to bet 50 out of the 52 weeks out of the year mm-hmm. you know um, I mean I, I was one of the generous freaking betting on Tiger Woods and, and, and even the QB shoot out the team <laughs> events you know I didn't put it I didn't really put much of that on Twitter because I didn't want to like subject y'all to uh, to kind of the rabbit hole that I, went, I personally went down but um, but yeah man there's always another week uh, there's always another uh, set of names you're going to find um, and you know everyone's going to lose in this game no matter if it's NASCAR if it's golf any sport so don't be afraid to take the L and, and just move on yep 100% Absolutely. So moving on to goals, we're yeah. So yeah, I, I told y'all it's gonna be a long podcast. We're we're feeling long winded. We got some drinks <laughs> in us, so we're gonna wax. I mean, this is gonna be pretty easy for me. I mean, I don't. Yeah. I think I've kind of covered pretty much everything that I've learned or want to do in the future. Um, so a goal for me in twenty twenty two season, I think, is I just kind of hinted at it. I think I just really wanted to start positive, start hot. Yeah. So that way we can adjust our card going forward. I don't want to start in the hole like I did last year and have mm-hmm. and trying to build myself back. Yeah. Um, so I think for me, it's just going to be, I want to keep everybody positive. I want to keep everybody, if we're plus money, I'm happy because yeah. that's what you guys are here for. You guys are here to win money. And mm-hmm. if I'm not winning you money, you're not going to stay around. So yeah. honestly, that's, that's my, really my only goal is that at this point I want to finish or start positive. Mm-hmm. That way we can kind of get the, get the uh, wheels turning. Yeah. I got you. Um, I don't know. I don't really have many goals for 2020. I, I try to just take a, a week at a time right. for me. Um, like unlike Chris, I've I have been betting a little bit longer than him, so I understand. There's been months where I've hit, where I haven't hit an outright winner, and there's been months where I've hit, like I've hit like three and four or five weeks. You know, like it just it's just part of the outright game. Chris, Chris is more apt to, you know, betting the head to heads, betting the top twenties, the top tens, and by all means, like there's a ton of successful guys on Twitter and in the gambling space that do that. Um, for me, it's not personally my favorite thing to do. If I'm going to sweat someone, I want, I want a big payout on it. That's just how I personally like to bet. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a decision you have to make personally. Like, you know, if, if you, you have to, if you're going to bet exclusive outrights, like I do, you've got to accept that you're just, there's going to be more than 50%, more than 60%, probably more than 70% of weeks where you're just not going to, you're not going to win. You're going to go to bed on Sunday night and you're going to have, you know, you're going to get dusted, but that's just it. It's worth it for me because, in the long run, I do trust myself to, to kind of hit my quota winners for the year. So, as far as goals for twenty twenty two, I just want to improve this show, man. I just want to have some guests on, um, improve the production quality, kind of grow our following on Twitter, and just you know see where we can go with it. Because I, I really enjoy talking with Chris uh, over the over the weekly race or the weekly tournament. So, uh, my my only goal is really just to get better at podcasting and and hope, you know obviously hitting as many winners as possible. Be great, but you understand that uh, that's hard. That's hard to do. So I want to entertain y'all at the end of the day, and I want to have I want to I want this to be a, a fun podcast for y'all to you know queue up and listen to every single week and and look forward to and ho- hopefully get some of y'all in the game of golf. Hopefully Chris can get some of y'all into NASCAR like he did for me last year. Um, and yeah, that, that's really all I gotta say. 2022, I'm I'm super excited. We're gonna talk about some of the things we are most excited for in 2022 in our respective sports. Um, so there'll be there'll be a Really exciting year of golf, really exciting year of NASCAR, I think. So um, it's a good time to kind of get in this space. Yeah, for sure. And you just brought a really good point that I kind of want to lean into here is uh, 
we are expanding our podcast a little bit this year to where we're gonna we want we want guests this year. Mm-hmm. Um, we we've kind of looked at some um, some different equipment or technology over the over the break we had here. Yeah. Um, I think currently we've got four guests already lined up. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to finalize like dates and stuff, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they've got first priority as far as like when they want to come. Back. I do know. I mean, two of the dates are pretty much finalized. Yeah. Um, with Daytona and then probably like another sort of like NASCAR intro. Yeah. Um, probably for like you said the Elliott Bush class. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we've got two other people coming on. One probably later on the season. Um, as baseball gets closer, which we kind of alluded to earlier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but if you want to come on, um, let us know. We'll, we'll if you there's a tournament in mind or a race in mind that you are particularly, um brought towards you know that we can we can totally uh, work that out and get Absolutely. you on here and you know we'll, we'll probably come up with at some point we'll come up with some sort of segment that'll be fun just to have you yeah. know like you know i was on that's kind of what got us in the space was phil i went on phil full tank with phil's full podcast phil. and he yep. has his head-to-head face-offs every week and yeah. um, that's kind of cool like little segment he's got so maybe we'll eventually we'll come up with some sort of segment yeah that we have for our guests but um so yeah if you want to just reach out to us on twitter and let us know yeah dm um, us man we're I'm, I'm always on twitter pretty much if i'm not at work or or out playing golf, so right. Uh, yeah, we'll get back to you DM wise, and uh, yeah, get you sorted out. Just talk shop a little bit, talk golf, talk NASCAR, just have a good time. So, yeah, brother, absolutely. So, you want to go ahead and segue into kind of the uh, the main segments we got going on here? I know yeah. you're pretty excited for uh, I'm so a couple of couple of we got going on here. Um, so yeah, so I guess we're, we'll start with the NASCAR side of our segments here. Basically, what we're doing is um, each of us have um, I have 12 drivers, he's got 12 golfers. Um, the point of mine is a little different than his, but kind of both fun in their own, own respective ways. Um, so for me, um, a lot of you guys already know, as we've talked about a lot last year, um, I was a big fan of Matt DiBenedetto. Um, that was my guy. Um, him and Ryan Blaney, really, but Matt was just kind of like the guy I planted my flag on. Um, however, Matt currently does not have a Cup Series ride. Um, it's not looking good. He's going to land a yeah. Cup Series ride. And among other things um, that have happened with him, I'm just... I've kind of fallen out of out of the uh, fandom form a little bit. So um, my 12 guys are going to be uh, – one of these 12 is going to be my new Favorite driver time. that I'm planting my flag on. Um, so, yeah, so obviously Ryan Blaney is still going to be uh, my guy um, that I still follow and I'm still a fan of. I've, I've kind of He's one of the guys that got me back into the sport of NASCAR. Um, but this is going to be the guy that I – this new guy is going to be who I'll kind of plant my flag as my, my new mate, the Benedetto, probably got me right every single week. Yeah, I was going to say, the one going to cost me the most money this year. <laughs> yep, I got um, you. So, yeah, so what we're going to do here is um, I gave Ian a list of 12 guys. Yep. Um, he ranked them from 1 to 12 based on who he thinks is going to be the new guy that I'm picking, 1 being the guy that he ultimately thinks I'm picking, 12 being the guy that is uh, the guy he just absolutely does not think I have any chance of picking. Uh, we're gonna kind of see, just kind of, we're gonna kind of make a little points game out of it. So, like for instance, if if I ranked a guy fifth and he thought he was my number one driver, then that's a difference of four. Um, well, so, yeah, we'll have a points. I would say if I get one dead on, I get a point, and if you get one dead on, you get a point. Okay, we can do that too. Yeah, because that'll work. It's probably easier that way. Close, <laughs> close doesn't count except for horseshoes and hammer grades. That's true. That's yeah. true. So for for reference, let's just go over the, the driver guys. Yeah, and I guess I'll intro that by saying too. Also, these guys are not going to be your, you know, blue chips. Yeah, your Harvicks, your Kurt, uh, Kyle Busch, your Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott. It's not going to be these guys. These are going to be kind of like your lesser known drivers that are kind of up and coming, or guys that I think can break through. Um, guys that I just want you guys to honestly know more about. Um, yeah. Honestly, when I was kind of going through this list and even writing down notes of all these guys, like. I genuinely could be a fan of really any of these guys. I mean, they all have interesting backgrounds. They all have um, 
really interesting yeah. like, come up. So um, there's this is like doing this list that I dislike. Put it that way. Got you. Um, this is like um, a lot of videos I saw on like when the Premier League start like first started coming to America and like being broadcast over here. Mm-hmm. A lot of like Englishmen would make videos like two Americans be like, okay, this is like this is every team like broken down like pick pick who you want to support. You know what I mean? Okay. That's kind of like how I how I structured my at least um at least my personal thing. But yeah, Chris is Chris is coming in here. He's not pulling for like the Man Uniteds or like the uh, the Chelsea's <laughs> or the Man Cities. Like he he he's down there like pulling for Norwich City or like some Sheffield United type of stuff. So respect to Chris because um funnily enough, I'm usually like like I'm typically not like this. Like my teams are literally the Cleveland Browns, the Charlotte Hornets, and the Washington Capitals and the Atlanta Braves, World Series champs, let's fucking go. But all perennial losers. <laughs> but in NASCAR golf, I just happen to pick the two guys that are like dominating yeah, right now. Yeah, so yeah. uh and Larson and Morikawa, which Chris can attest, I was a Larson fan before he, he even, was. He was before he before he uh you know he was obviously talented, but he wasn't he he wasn't a championship contender or anything like that. Right. So Alright, so I guess let's go ahead and just start at twelve. Well go ahead say who the list is first. Oh then... yeah. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. So in no particular order. Uh, Chris's 12 names he gave me to rank 1 to 12. 1 being the one he is uh, riding, riding or dying with, and 12 is the one that I thought he was least likely to pick. So, no particular order, we have Austin Sindrick, Christopher Bell, Bubba Wallace, Alex Bowman, uh, Harrison Burton, Daniel Suarez, Eric Jones, Ross Chastain, Bubba Wallace, Tyler Reddick, William Byron, and Chris Buescher. Those are the 12. I'm, I'm pretty sure I got those 12. I've got the list in front of me, one to twelve. I didn't want to do it in exact order, so I tried to jump around a little bit. That's kind of well. That's kind of why I asked you to read them because I have mine in order too. Now, so maybe he has his not in order. <laughs> yeah, I, I do not. But yeah, hopefully those are the twelve days. Obviously, we'll be going over one through twelve anyway. So, all right. So my twelfth, my number twelve, like the guy that I was like, there's no way this is Chris's guy. Like, if he's if he's gonna support Daniel Suarez this year, like I don't know what's going on. Uh, so yeah, that because like I just have. He, he competed for, like, the one race at the Bristol Dirt Track, and, like, I didn't see him, like, the rest of the year. So, like, I was, like, respect if you do want to pull for Daniel Suarez, but, like, I feel like it's <laughs> it's just, like, it's literally, like, pulling for, like, not even Norwich City. Like, it's, like, pulling for, like, Plymouth Argyle if you're, like, a FIFA <laughs> fan at all. Like, the like the third tier of English football. Like, a team that's never going to do anything. All right, you're close. You're close. Okay. I have Daniel Suarez at 11. Okay, yeah, I figured. Um, so, he was, he was down there, but I will say, man, Daniel Suarez is an interesting dude. Um, so, for those that aren't in the world of NASCAR and you want to know. Um, i got some notes on all these guys as we bring them up. So, Dan Suarez, he's a driver of the 99 Chevy Camaro for track house racing. Oh, he did switch um, teams. Yeah. Okay. Um, I he's I, 29 I, years old. He was born in Monterey, Mexico. He now lives in Huntersville, North Carolina. Um, he won the 2016 Xfinity Series Championship with JGR. He was the first non-American driver to do so. Um, he began racing go-karts in 2002 at the age of 10 in Mexico. Um, he alternated his time between racing in Mexico and the U.S. until 2014, where he ultimately landed a full-time Xfinity ride with JGR and a part-time Truck Series ride for Kyle Busch Motorsports. Um, he was a 2015 Xfinity Series Rookie of the Year, and then he took over the Cup Series in the 19 car following Carl Edwards', Carl Edwards retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up getting placed by, replaced by Martin Truex Jr. Um, in 2019 at JGR. Um, he was a um, Stuart Haas racing in 2019, and now he's a track house in 2021. I had no idea he had that kind of track record. I yeah. didn't know he'd... he'd I, I do seem to remember now him driving the 19 car. I just didn't make the guess he actually drove for JGR. Yeah. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Okay, so there's like there's legit talent there. No, right? he's definitely talented. Yeah. Yes. Definitely okay. talented. Um, so, yeah, I mean... So, and thoughts I, on 2022? Like, track house? 
I think Trackhouse is, is going to be an up and coming team. Um, I don't know that he's going to even be the best driver in his own camp. Mm. But um, I mean, Suarez. I mean, just as it from a fan perspective, though, um, just go watch some of his interviews or listen to podcasts he's on. He's genuinely a like he's got a great personality. There's a lot of drivers out there, and there's to be some that I bring up in a little bit that I just think are boring. I think they're yeah. boring guys. Suarez is actually like I think he's got some moxie. He's got he's just. He's he's got kind of like that broken English, like that Spanish, you know, yeah, going yeah. on. So it's just I don't know. He's funny to me, um, and I generally do like Daniel Suarez. But I just think, I mean, twenty nine isn't old, but at the same time, he's already been dropped by two top teams. Yeah. The chances of him getting back up into the mix of things is probably pretty slim. Um, mm-hmm. But it'd be cool to see if if he was able to break through for Trackhouse and, and grab a victory here and there. Um, it'd be pretty cool to see. Okay. No, I actually learned a lot about Daniel Suarez there. To be honest, he was. <laughs> I mean, this just shows like my. Just by basically novice hood, if that's a word, in in the world of NASCAR, because I I just thought of the '99 car like I was watching the Bristol Dirt Race, like how the hell is Daniel Suarez like ahead of like well, that was the entire field. that was a surprise for everybody because yeah. he does not have dirt racing in his background whatsoever. Yeah, so that was a wild. I was like, race. he's gonna win this thing like 100 to one, and I'm gonna be so mad <laughs> that I bet Carl Larson like two to one. Um, all right, so yeah, Suarez at 12, you have at 11. That's a near miss for me. So at 11, I've got Eric Jones. I don't really know where to put Eric Jones. Um, I don't know. Like I, again, it's kind of a symptom of the fact that he just raced for Richard Petty Motorsports Sports in, in 2021 with the with the 43 car. He's again like Suarez been dropped from from JGR. So again, I just felt like his career trajectory was kind of lower than a lot of the names on this list. Where like, yeah, obviously I'm sure he's a good guy, but. In terms of like looking for a guy to support and like an up and coming guy to support, I feel like maybe he's just maybe on the downturns compared to a lot of these other guys. This one's gonna surprise you. Okay. Is he um, there's, a, there's a lot to learn here, with Eric Jones, for oh, you. Shit. He's fourth on my list. What? Um. So yeah, let's let's just go ahead and let's let's entertain. <laughs> well, let's, I'm gonna score zero yeah. points just to, just so we know. All right. So Eric Jones, um, driver the number forty three Chevy Camaro for now Petty GMS Motorsports, and they were um. To actually just combine forces. Okay. Um, he's only 25 years old. Yeah, I know he's young. A lot of people don't know that. He's, he's, young, he's younger yeah. than you think. Um, he was born in Byron, Michigan. Um, he was the first driver to ever win the Rookie Triple Crown. He won triple, He won the Rookie of the Year in every single series. Truck okay. Series, King Series, and Cup Series. Yeah. Um, when he was young, he was actually viewed as a prodigy in the sport. Um, coming up, he was, he was the guy. Hmm. Um, he began racing at the age of seven in quarter midgets. Um, he began racing stock cars at the age of 13, where he actually landed an Arca ride at the age of 15. First to do this at that age, and he was actually uno- he was ineligible to drive at tracks over a mile long because he was too young. Um, he's won the Snowball Derby, which is a super late model race in December in Pensacola, Florida. He's won it twice, beating Kyle Busch and Chase Elliott in both those races. Um, it's a big deal. Snowball Derby is like it's like one of those races that all the NASCAR guys go to because it's in December and it's off season for them. So yeah, yeah. like this past season, um, Noah Gragson was there and. I think Eric Jones actually was there again. A lot of a lot of guys go down there and race that race. How um, old was he when he won this? Um, when was it? I think it was 2013 and 2015. Oh, so he was say. like a 16-year-old kid. I mean, he was young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. So he was signed by Kyle Busch Motorsports after winning the Snowball Derby in 2013. So there they go, 2013. Okay. Um, where he still wasn't old enough to run every track on the schedule. Um, he won at Phoenix at the age of 17, became the youngest driver at that time to win in the top NASCAR touring series. Hmm. In 2015, he was a Truck Series champion over Tyler Reddick and Matt Crafton. Uh, 2016, he was full-time Xfinity and finished in fourth in points. 
And then in 2017, he ended up replacing Matt Kenseth in the famous 20 car for JGR. Mm -hmm. um, and then this is where his, obviously, he started to struggle. Yep. Um, he amassed only two wins in four years of JGR, um, which is when they decided to part ways. And then I'm not going to lie, I didn't know he won a race. <laughs> yeah, he's won, he won two there. Um, and then, yeah, so now he's with um, RPM. Um, it's not a great ride, mm -hmm. um, but I, I just, I really feel like the fact that he has such a, like, incredible, like, come up. Yeah. That... I'm I'm actually kind of surprised that some of these new teams that are coming to the rise here, like Colleg and Trackhouse and all these new teams, that yeah. nobody else didn't kind of take a chance on him because it's like buying low on like yeah project, yeah. I mean, yeah. like I'm, I'm kind of shocked that he he hasn't left RPM. I mean, not that RPM. I mean, RPM is still. I mean, it's Richard Petty, so like it's a cool team to drive for. Um, but I just feel like at 25 years old, it's only going to take a win in this car for yeah. people to gain notice again. Yeah, and. He's also got the talent. Yeah, and yeah, I just, just think he needs to break his way. Yeah, and he's yeah. he's a uh, from the reason he's so high on my list is honestly because of this talent and because he's loved by fans. I mean, fans love him. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of yeah. Funny. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, that's that. I'm pretty shaken right now. Him to be in the top four, I thought the top like three or four were pretty locked were pretty locked and loaded uh, on my list. So it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see which of these top four guys is not right um, in there because I was actually pretty confident at the top of this list. So we're going to move on to 10 here. I'm still at zero. Um, <laughs> and we're going to go with another... Uh, well, RPM is a solo ride, right? There's only one car there, mm -hmm. right? Okay. So we're going to go with another solo ride. The Wood Brothers 21, Harrison Burton. I've got a 10. Um, I know, obviously, he's Jeff's son. Um, he had a he had a pretty successful Xfinity season. He was never like a champion, but he... He was a he was a good prospect coming up, getting the Wood Brothers ride. So getting that, you know, he's he's making the steps that you would hope a young guy can make, similar to Eric Jones a few years ago. Um, kind of getting that mid tier team. Um, I just honestly don't know much about Harrison Burton, so I I didn't think you would have him all that high. So I he just kind of fell at ten. Honestly, like every everyone from like five to ten is kind of the same to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just kind of had to order him in some way. And Harrison Burton was the one I know. I've heard you talk the least about, so that's where he fell for me. So everything you just said is pretty spot on, but that's the reason why he's twelve for me. Oh, okay. Um, it's I don't know a lot about him to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I mean, so yeah, for to give you the background you have, I have the least amount of bullets on him than I have for anybody else. So that kind of gives you an idea. But um, he's the driver of the twenty-one Ford Mustang for Wood Brothers. He did just replace. That's another hit in his in his coffin. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was born in Hunters, North Carolina. Um, he's only 21 years old, and he's the son of, obviously, former NASCAR legend Jeff Burton, who, for those of you who maybe have were fans later in the day or have, you know, parents that were fans, Jeff Burton drove the 99 and 31 Caterpillar car. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, so... The, the X-Side car, one of the best paint yeah, paintings of all time. Yeah, the X-Side 99, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, as the son of any NASCAR racer would do, he was gifted a go-kart at the age of two years old. Facts. Um, which would turn to a quarter midget at the age of four and a late model at the age of 12. Um, he drove for Kyle Busch Motorsports in the Truck Series in 2018. He took over took over for Christopher Bell in the JGR 20 Xfinity car in 2019. He won the Xfinity Rookie Series Rookie of the Year in 2020, and then now he's the driver of the Wood Brothers 21 for 2022. Um, would I say that he's deserving to be in this ride, though? No. Yeah, that was, I was um, going to say, like, that was kind of my point when I said, like, he's never really, like, been that guy in Xfinity. Yeah, he's got a lot of money behind him and that's a big thing in nascar that you've probably heard me say before you probably won't be the last time you hear me say this but if you want to get anywhere in nascar you have to have sponsorship money you have to have backing mm -hmm. harrison burton has some very good sponsors following him um so i really do think that's the main reason why um for his come up so so quickly 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I have nothing bad to say about him. I just don't know anything about him. I don't think he's done anything that's special. Yeah, he hasn't really caught my attention yet. Now, if he was to come out come out this year and surpass every category that Matt did last year in the 21 car, then, then shoot, we might be revisiting this next year. Yeah. But as of currently stands right now, these 12 drivers I gave you, um, Harrison does not kind of crack that, that top 10 for me. Got you. Okay, so I'm at nine now. Um, and I, honestly, like I said, like this range, I feel like I just kind of piled guys in for no reason. This might be surprising. I've got Bubba Wallace at nine. And the reason I have Bubba Wallace at nine is what we talked about earlier. Like, Chris doesn't, isn't the type of guy to, like, jump on a bandwagon. And I feel like in this tier of drivers, Bubba actually has probably the, one of the bigger followings just because he, he is the only African-American driver on the grid. He drives for Jordan 2311 Motorsports. He, you know, especially here in the state of North Carolina, like, Jordan, you know, is elevates anybody, right? So he's the owner of the Charlotte Hornets, obviously a UNC basketball legend. Um, and so like he has a lot of that kind of press going for him and I feel like you would just kind of steer away naturally from a Bubba even though you might like him like he's I, I didn't think he would be a guy that you would like ride or die with um, so yeah I, I think it's I don't think I'm right here I think Bubba probably should be higher up but um, of the names left I was least I was the least convinced you would pick Bubba at one than these other guys you're pretty close I have an eight okay um, Damn, and, one and, off again. Yeah, and honestly, everything you said again, it's, you're pretty much right on. Is and it's not it really has anything to do with him being, um, having all this momentum and being such a high high profile driver. That I don't like him. It's, and honestly, I really do like him. I think he, I was kind of a fan of him before his rise, <laughs> mainly because he was best friends with Ryan Blaney. I mean, him and Ryan yeah. are like they're still tight. Yeah, they're so tight. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's just I don't know. I um, I think he's. I almost. Dare to say that, I mean, maybe this is kind of what you're getting at, but I think I actually liked him more before he was so high profile. Like, yeah. when he was kind of under the radar, exactly. I liked yeah, him more. You're a national um, hipster. So, yeah, so here's your background for Bubba. That's, i got a, quite a few bullets here for you, but I'm sure you probably know a lot of these, honestly. But um, driver of the 23 Toyota Camry for 23 XI Racing, which obviously is the Jordan Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin-owned um, team. Mm-hmm. He was born in Mobile, Alabama. He's 28 years old, and he was actually raised in Concord, North Carolina. Um, you're going to hear that a lot, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but Wall started racing in the Bandolero and Legends Car Racing Series here at Charlotte Motor Speedway, um, as, as well as a bunch of local late model events at the age of nine. Um, 2005, he won 35 of the Bandolero Series, um, 35 of the Bandolero's 48 races held in one year. Um, he signed as a Toyota development driver at the age of 17. He won his first ARCA race and ended up winning Rookie of the Year, um, becoming the first Ameri- African-American driver to do so. Um, in 2013, he signed to um, Kyle Busch Motorsports to run trucks. His first win came at Martinsville. Um, in 2014, he ended up accumulating four wins, nine top fives, 14 top tens, and finished third in points. Um, 2015, he would leave JGR for Roush, where he ended up running the sixth car in the Xfinity Series. He missed out on rookie year by one, um, by one top ten to Daniel Suarez. Hmm. Um, in 2018, he would move to the Cup Series into the 43 um, RPM car where he would actually finish second in Daytona in his debut race. Highest finish by a full-time rookie in Daytona history. Um, and then 2020, obviously he left RPM for the newly created 23XI. Um, he would score his first win and the team's first win at Talladega 
Um, know what I kind of already talked about? How he's <clears> best Ray Jordan. Do what? Oh, Ray yeah, Ray Jordan. Jordan. Yeah, yeah. But, hey, it wins I'm a only, win. I'm only bitter because we had Legato and, I think, Kazowski yeah, yeah, in there, yeah, yeah. like, a second and third. Yeah. I was actually very true about that. That's race. it. That's all. That's all. Um, but, yeah, and then I had mentioned, obviously, earlier, he's best friends with Ryan Blaney, and then him and um, Corey Joey have a pretty good friendship, too. If you ever see during Ray Jordan races, ironically, Bubba and Corey will be the first ones to go out and they'll throw a football into the crowd, and the crowd will throw it back, and they'll just go down the line throwing footballs in the crowd. It's pretty cool. They like to engage yeah. fans that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like Bubba. I think he's a good talent. He's for an up and coming team. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, he's not the guy that I'm. I'm fighting my flag on. Yeah, yeah. I, I if if you had Bubba one, I'd be actually probably as more shocked than anyone that we've went over so far. Right. That's why I have an eye. All right. So now we have eight. Um, and I'm gonna go again a bit of more surprising one. More, one of the more high profile guys on this list. I'm going Alex Bowman at number eight, and it's basically boils down to what you said earlier. About him being one of the kind of the driest, at least from an outside perspective. Chris could tell me something completely different and I would believe him. Um, but at least from my perspective, Bowen like just feels like the most kind of like bland driver on the grid or one of them. For me at least personally, just from what I've seen. Um, and again, he drives for a big team, Hendrick. I think that's kind of points against in Chris's book uh, at least. And he is he's kind of like in a tough spot. He's like kind of the, the fourth fiddle over there at Hendrick Motorsports. So... Again, I would be very surprised if, if Chris has met one. So, just like Bubba, I was like, okay, this guy's not Chris's guy, so I'm going to put him at eight. So, I have him at six. You're pretty close. Okay. okay. Well, two off. I th- I'm, um, I'm, I'm warming up. I'm going to get one at the top. Yeah, I'm getting one at the top. So, yeah, Alex Bowman, I think, again, you brought up a lot of the points that kind of I was probably going to hit on anyways. But he's driver the number 48 Chevy Camaro for Hendrick Motorsports. He's 28 years old from Tucson, Arizona, and now lives in Concord, North Carolina. Um... He started racing quarter midge at the age of seven. By the time he was 14, he had won nine national championships and had 165 feature wins. Um, he ran pretty well in Canaan and Arca, landed an extended ride, but only scored six top tens and 32 starts before re- being released before the season finale. Um, he, then, he was then picked up by JRM Motorsports and won nine races and finished in the top ten in all but two, um, but then ultimately lost his ride again due to not having any sponsor money. Um, 2015, he had actually run for Tommy Baldwin Racing. It was actually where I first heard of his name because Tommy Baldwin is a... Um, friend of my family, actually. Um, that was his first full-time um, full-time uh, ride in the Cup Series. Yeah. Um, he, he ended up leaving the team on his own accord in the season, though, and signed as a reserve driver for Hendrick, where he would ultimately end up filling in for Dale Jr. when Dale Jr. was suffering from concussions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after Dale Jr. announced his retirement, he expressed his support for Bowman to replace him, and then um, Hendrick actually honored that and formally announced Bowman as the new driver. Of At first, it was the 88 in 2018, um, and then it turned into the 48 once Jimmy retired. Yep. Um, and he has made the playoffs every year since joint, since uh, being in the 48 and the 88 mm-hmm. um, and has six career wins, four of them coming this past year, actually. Yeah, um, he had a great year. So, yeah, Alex, actually, he's he's probably higher than you thought he was going to be, though, on my list. Um, yeah. He actually is a guy that I found myself, when I actually first was numbering these out, I actually had him at four. Hmm. Um, but then as I was kind of doing my write-ups for everybody, I moved two guys ahead of him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's actually not as dry as you think. Um, he's actually a pretty funny guy. Um, yeah. He's got more personality than you think, more than the guy that I have behind him at seven. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually actually the reason why I pushed him ahead of the guy that I have at seven. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, nothing to really hate about this moment. But like you said, he's he's stuck. Like, fourth fiddle at Hendrick. There's no yeah. way he's going to be any better than 
Well, I mean, I guess you have a case for Byron, but Byron just came off a career year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no way he's ever going to beat out Chase Elliott or Kyle Larson. I'm just sorry. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, you're not going to leave Hendrick to go anywhere else because Hendrick's top team. I mean, if anything, he's kind he's of like, lose he's his... capped out right now. Yeah. This I mean, is the best we're going to see of Alex Bowman. Right. Hopefully he keeps his ride at Hendrick. I but... think he just signed extension through 2023, if I'm not mistaken. So he'll be there for at least two more years. I guess if you went four times, like, yeah, yeah you're good. It's not like he's going to, like, fall off the face of the earth, but, like, right. Like Chris said, he's he's it's it'd be very surprising for all NASCAR fans if he's like a championship contender like right. at any point. Right. Am I wrong in saying that? No, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, he's gonna be like it's it's hard to be the best driver on the grid for it, like his it's career. hard to be a championship contender when you're not even the best on your team. Right. So not like yeah not even in, like in, top in, three. in a year where Hendrick probably just had a historic year and he was, I mean he had the most wins other than Larson. Yeah, true. But he finished last in points among the four. So, yeah, which tells you something. Yeah. Because wins are the least repeatable thing in NASCAR, and right. he still finished. Even though he had a career year with the wins, still couldn't you know jump Byron and, and, El- and Elliot and Larson as right. far as points. Okay, yeah, so we are at number seven now for me. Uh, this is where things get a little bit tougher. Because uh, I do, I kind of know for a fact Chris likes all these guys now. Or at least I could see the merit in him putting him like pretty high on the list. Um... So I went with Chase Briscoe at seven, honestly, because I know the least about Briscoe compared to the guys that we have ahead, coming up ahead of him. Um, obviously, he drives Stuart Haas, so he does drive for a good team. But I don't know. Like honestly, there's not much I can really say for Briscoe. I'm gonna let Chris take this over because he's seven. He's like right in the middle of the pack, and like there's a reason for that. It's just because like I was like I, I just don't I don't know enough about him to put him at the bottom, but I don't know enough about him to like. To jack him up that much. So, Chris, by all means, educate me on Trace Briscoe because I, I know very little. I got bad news for you. Your top three is broken. Fuck. Are you kidding me? He's number two for me. He's number two? Um, He was actually, like, before I made this list, before when I brought this idea up of this exercise, he was the guy that I actually pinned as the guy I thought I was going to pick. Okay, you've got to explain this um, to me. But there's a lot going on here, and there's going to be one key point you're going to hear in here yeah. that is a big miss. The big miss for you. Okay. Um, that I think I brought it before. Um, so, Chase Briscoe, driver of the number four, 14 Ford Mustang for Stuart Haas Racing. He's 27 years old. He was born in Mitchell, Indiana. He now lives in um, Cornelius, North Carolina. Um, he also, like Eric Jones, has the Triple Crown and Rookie of the Year awards um, for the Truck Series, Extended Series, and the um, Cup Series. He was the youngest driver ever to win a 410 Sprint Car race at the age of 13, beating Jeff Gordon's record. Um, he entered Michael Waltrip's Peak Stock Car Dream Challenge, which actually would award the winner with a contract. Finished second in that in that um, uh, challenge, um, but Michael Waltrip and Justin Marks end up telling, or no, not Justin Marks, Justin Norris, no, Ty Norris, end up telling him, "Don't quit racing. Like you're good at this. Don't, don't quit." Um, so he actually ended up meeting Christopher Bell on iRacing, hmm. um, who ultimately set him up with a test session with Roush. Um, he did. He thought he had blew the test and started driving back to Indiana. He drove, started back driving back home. He thought he blew his shot. Mm-hmm. Um, on his drive back to Indiana, he got a call for an ARCA ride. Ended up winning the championship by 535 points. Um, he was offered a ride by Brad Keselowski Racing in the Truck Series, where he won Rookie of the Year and was the most popular driver in the series at that point. Um, he was then offered a ride but by Hendrick, but the deal fell through because he didn't have enough sponsors to bring to the table. Um, SHR would end up offering him a part-time extended ride where he ended up winning the inaugural race at the Roval um, in 2018. Um, Stuart Haas offered, ended up offering him a full ride um, for the following year. 
He ended up finishing with 10 straight top 10s and finished 5th in points. And then 2020, he went on to dominate in the Xfinity Series of 9 wins, but ultimately fell short of the championship at Phoenix, finishing 4th in points. Hmm. Um, so after that 2020 season where he had 9 wins, he was um, courted by Tony Stewart. Tony Stewart actually flew to Chase Briscoe's house and recruited him to replace Clint Boyer in the 14. Hmm. Um, he did have a bit of a rough rookie year um, this past year, um, but it was would have been hard for anybody with... I mean, with Floyd Larson dominated in the way that Stuart Haas, Stuart Haas was, was behind the yeah. uh, behind the behind, behind the eight ball, uh, but it was, still was enough for him to win Rookie of the Year. Um, so, and then here's the point that you missed: he is a very active Reddit user, oh, very active. Damn it, um, he's the new Matty D. Yes, fuck. So this is <laughs> so for those that don't know, that was the reason why I jumped on Matty D's bandwagon. He was very active on Reddit. He'd get on there all the time to AMAs. He'd be in the comments. Um, then he just kind of stopped, and he cut social media off, and in steps Chase Briscoe. Um, I have actually had a comment on Reddit um, replied to by Chase Briscoe. Oh, well, that's just a shoo-in. <laughs> it's just, it's just nepotism. That's all it is. <laughs> uh, but no, he's, but he's oh, very, like, he's very engaging. Funny. He doesn't just go on Reddit just to get most popular driver. Like, he does actually engage with fans, like, pe- people asking questions or bringing points up. Okay. Um, and then there are certain moments for me that made me a fan of him, even aside from Reddit. Um, for me, it was... Um, Two years ago at Darlington, the Xfinity Series, um, he found out the morning of the race that his wife had lost the baby. That she had a miscarriage. Now, for anyone who doesn't remember this race, you need to go back and watch this race. Briscoe drove his absolute heart out to the point where, coming around the final turn, he doors Kyle Busch and like would not be denied to get this win. And then when he comes back around the front stretch, he gets out of his car, and I mean, he's just holding back tears and so much emotion about how he like shouldn't even be at this race because he should be at home with his wife who's you know clearly you know very upset about losing a baby and mm-hmm. and here he is like in the Xfinity series winning a race and beating one of the best to do it. Um, that I actually watched that race and that was with Reddit aside that was one of the main things that I was like man I I like this guy like this guy yeah. he's got grit he's he's got the heart he's a genuine guy. Um, so yeah, this I really when I actually made this list, that was who I intended on, on jumping on. Yeah, my lack so. of homework is now showing for the first time. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and I do think that um, uh, another guy that you know, we brought him up a few times in the podcast, but Nick's MLB picks. I think Nick's actually a pretty big Chase Briscoe fan too. So okay, he's he's probably uh, smiling listening to this because. Um, but yeah, all right, you 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 converted me. Uh, you know, I might buy them a fourteen shirt or something like that. Have a have a fourteen polo that I can wear to the golf course or something. There you go. Okay, Chase Briscoe, number number two for you. So I'm still got number one. Number we'll yeah, see. Number six. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let, let's go. Let's go to number six now. Um, and I'm gonna go with Ross Chastain for number six. The only reason I <laughs> I picked him over Briscoe, because like I'll be honest, I had like four guys where I was like, where am I gonna put these guys? The only reason I I picked Chastain because I know. That he's a watermelon farmer and you like you like him like a lot and I was like I know Chris is like I know Chris is a Chastain fan I just don't know how much of it is I didn't think he was enough of a Chastain fan to put him in the top like two or three so I got him a six right right kind of the 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 start of the climb up basically to the top yeah um you're really kind of point I have a nine actually oh really okay um he's just below Bubba but ahead of Bush oh I just brought, I just told that one whoops. <laughs> um, Fuck. Well, anyway. I got Bush wrong there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to say that. It's Anywho, okay. um, yeah, I do actually really, I genuinely do like Ross Chastain. I'm just not sure the trajectory, his career trajectory. Yeah, I think. and you'll kind of hear it in his, his background here. I'm not sure that he's going to have this come up um, mm-hmm. that I would like to see in a driver. That I'm kind of planting my flag on. Um, so yeah, for he's the driver, the number one. He's, he's he's moved into one car this year. It's Chevy Camaro for Trackhouse Racing. He's already 29 years old. 
Um, he was born in Ava, Florida. Um, he's a late bloomer in the NASCAR world. As far as NASCAR goes, he got a very, very late start. Um, his family ha is, has generations after generations of being watermelon farmers, mm -hmm. hence his nickname in the celebration of, um, yeah, the watermelon guy. Um, he didn't start racing until he was 12, which most guys start when they're like four, six, eight years old. Right. He didn't start racing until he was 12 um, as he worked on the farm his whole life. And he's a uh, first-generation racer. No one in his family has ever raced or had anything to do with racing. Mm -hmm. um, so it just wasn't something that was prevalent. So he had to kind of do this on his own. Um, so he... Um, the first, he's actually the first in his family to compete in a professional race. Um, he would one, once he got going, he ended up winning over 50 feature events at his local track in Punta Gorda Speedway in Florida. Um, after that, when he thought there might have been a future here, he actually moved to Charlotte. Um, he raced part time for several teams in the Truck Series before landing the full time ride um, Brad Kozlowski Racing in 2013. Um, and this is kind of where I'm kind of getting at here. His career has been full of part time rides. He's been it's been really hard for him to get land a full time ride. Um, surprisingly, being a farmer, you would think that he would have a lot of that redneck background, a lot of those redneck companies wanting to follow him, or you know, agricultural field wanting yeah, to get yeah. behind him. He hasn't really been able to really get many, many sponsorship money. Hmm. Um, some of it, and some of it's actually been bad luck too. In 2019, um, he signed to be a full-time driver of the 42 Chip Ganassi Racing Xfinity car, sponsored by DC Solar. Mm -hmm. um, Which this, is what Larson used to be sponsored by them, right? I'm pretty sure. Larson has some DC solar rides. Maybe. Yeah, back in back in his Ganassi. Oh yeah, I guess so. Because with Ganassi, yeah. Yeah. Um, so a month after he signed on for this ride, DC solar was raided by the FBI. Oh. <laughs> and it actually ultimately led to the car being shut down and left Ross without a ride. Um, so he was back to the part-time ride gig. Um, he would end up breaking Kyle Busch's record of 22 consecutive races across all three national series, just picking up ride after ride if he could, wherever he could. Yeah. Um, he ran full-time for Colleague in 2019 in the Xfinity Series and finished 7th in points. And he drove the number 6 Roush Ford in place of Ryan Newman when Ryan Newman had that horrific crash at Daytona. Yep. Um, he would wind up, wind up replacing Matt Kenseth in the 42 Chevy for Chip Ganassi. And then for the 2022 season, um, CJR just sold to Trackhouse and Chastain was moved from the 42 to the 1 car, um, which is where we'll see him next year. Um, so, yeah, I do like Chastain. I think he's got a, he's got a great personality. Um, obviously, he's... You know, when he wins, he, he smashes the uh, watermelon. Yeah, yeah, we all want to see the, the, at least the one watermelon celebration. One of the coolest celebrations in NASCAR. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just I don't know. Um, he's also he's also a bit criticized in the series. He doesn't, he doesn't really make a lot of friends. He's pretty aggressive on the track. Um, so, um, like the chill rookie Stenhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anywho, yeah, I, I generally do like Rasha Shane, but I just couldn't. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't put him much higher on my list. That makes sense. I, I should have taken more into account the career trajectory. Because, yeah, Chastain, like, even though I knew you liked him, I can't acknowledge, even I knew, like, he's never going to be, like, a top-notch NASCAR driver. So, what's up, Cliff? Hey, guys. <laughs> You're on the pod now. <laughs> All right, so my number five driver uh, for Christopher here, uh, I'm going to go with Chris Buescher. And if you if you notice now, I've got a little tier of three guys I didn't know that much about. Cindric, <laughs> or not, no, Buescher, Chastain, Briscoe. Uh, and Busher was the guy I knew that Chris liked because he, he always told me to bet him <laughs> like for the entire like year last year. I would always be like, yo, Chris, just give me like one long shot, like 100 to 1. He'd be like, yeah, Busher for sure. <laughs> and to his credit, Busher always like kind of came through as like a top 10 bet um, or a guy down the stretch that overperformed his odds uh, week in, week out. Busher, again, kind of like Chastain. He kind of gives the impression of, of a bit of a journeyman. I could be wrong in that sense. He always... I feel like he's older than a lot of these guys that are coming up. Um, but 
again, I'm a NASCAR novice, so he could be like 21, and I could have no idea. But yeah, Chris Busch is my number five driver. You got the first name right, but uh, not not the driver I was gonna go with. Here. Oh my god! So yeah, Chris Busch <laughs> is at number ten for me, actually. Yeah, I, I know. Um, so yeah, kind of what you were going with here with the kind of a journeyman. He kind of has been a little bit. I don't really have a lot of notes on him here, but. Um, driver the number 17 Ford Mustang for Roush Fenway, now Keselowski Racing. Um, he was born in Prosper, Texas. He's 29 years old. He began his professional career in um, 2005 driving Legends cars where he'd win over 100 races in Texas. Um, he moved to North Carolina in 2008 to be mentored by David, mentored by David Reagan and signed as a development driver for Roush at that time. Um, he won the 20, 2012 ARCA Championship and became the first ever driver to complete every lap of every race in the series, which is pretty cool. Um, he's a 2015 Xfinity champion. Um, he actually held off defending Xfinity champ Chase Elliott to win that championship. Yeah. And then he, he won as a rookie in the Cup Series at Pocono. Um, and then in 2021 is actually his best season. Was that right about his age? Is he like 27 or older? He's 29. Yes. Um, but yeah, so... Oh, i this. So, um, yeah, I kind of I kind of did think you would see him as higher just because I did bet him a lot this year. Yeah. But I think I was just kind of riding the hot hand. I mean... Yeah. But it came down to actually being a fan of him. I mean, he's a cool, he's a cool guy, but again, I don't really know a lot about him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I think that, um, yeah, I, I don't know what his, being that he's 29, I don't know that a top team is just going to all of a sudden sign him unless he was to have a career year Yeah, no, um, at Roush. But, um, you can tell I, I my thought process is very limited. Like, I had guys at the very start, like at 12 through like 10, I was pretty, I was like, okay, there's no way this is Chris's guy. And I had guys at the top, and I was like, there's, this is like, this is the, and there's guys that we haven't got to yet that I think I might have nailed. Um, but yeah, there's guys that I felt like Chris had a lot of interest in, and then this is like the middle tier of guys that I uh, I wasn't really sure about, so I just stuck him here. So, number four, let's move on to a um, little NASCAR rookie here for Penske Motorsports, Austin Cendrick. Obviously, I remember Chris had a bet on him uh, to win the Xfinity Championship, got passed in the last lap uh, by, Dan, by Daniel Hamrick, who, you know, that's my boy. I love Daniel <laughs> Hamrick, so I uh, was happy to see <coughs> him get his first win there. Uh, but Cindric coming into Penske, blue chip prospect, Xfinity champion, uh, despite the fact he, he could have won back-to-back, just like um, a guy we'll talk about later um, uh, in Xfinity Series, but now coming into the Cup Series on a top team at Penske. The sky's kind of the limit for Austin. Um, I know Chris is high on him as like a future prospect stance. I'm not sure if he's... Um, on him as like a fan of his going forward, but that's that's what I got. I got Cindric at four. So you're one away because I had Eric Jones at four. I had Cindric at three. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, no, I actually generally do like Cindric. Um, yeah. He's actually he actually ended up a little higher than I thought he was gonna. I think actually to your credit, I think when I first started this list, I think I actually did have him at four, and then I ended up moving him up, um, and I moved somebody else down. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, uh, Austin Cindric. Um, give you a little bit of background. So he is number three on my list. Um, He's the driver of the number two Ford Mustang for Penske. Uh, he's coming up from the Xfinity Series. series. He's supposed to go... I'm, I'm going to raise my hand like a kid, but I thought he was in the 33. Or is he for sure in the two now? He's in the two. He's taking over for, for Brad. Oh, okay. He was, he, was, he was already supposed to go from the um, 33 Xfinity to the 21 Wood Brothers. Yeah. But then once Brad announced that he was leaving, they just promoted Cindric straight to the two, and they moved Harrison Burton to the 21. Interesting. So he's never in the 33. So that was just wrong. Yeah, no. Oh, okay. I mean, that might have been... Was that his car number in Xfinity? It or might have been, Or was yeah. that a 12? No, he was definitely not a 12. Yeah, no, he was 22 was. in Xfinity. That's 20. Yeah, you're right. It was 22. Yeah. But the one time he drove for the Cup Series was at the, at the yeah. uh, 
is whatever road, the road, road course. course. You're right. Yeah. That's what it was. And he was the 33 then. Okay, that's what I was thinking of. I'm not crazy. So, um, yeah, Cindric, um, he has a really cool background, honestly. Um, so he's only 23 years old. He looks a lot older than he really is. He's only 23. Tony Finau. Dude, was, Jackson's so good at this. Shout out, Jackson. <laughs> we're doing a, uh, full disclosure, we're doing a little PGA golf draft here um, amongst the friend groups. So we're in round three right now. We'll go over that more when the golf yeah, yeah. Up, but, uh But yeah. Sorry, sorry, Chris. I know I fucked your train of thought up. But no, you're good. You're good. Tony Finau, good pick. Um, so Austin Sindrick, 23 years old, born in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I know this, this reason right here, this next bullet, is the reason why Thomas who we'll have on later, does not like Sendrick. Um, he's the son of Penske president, Tim Sendrick. So a lot of people think that it's just, you know, golden spoon or silver spoon, whatever the saying is. Yeah. Um, that's the reason why he is what he is. But he's a proven good driver. Um, 2020 Xfinity Series champion, 2021 Xfinity Series runner-up. Um, he started racing bandoliers and legend cars at Charlotte Mars Speedway. But this is where his background gets really cool. He's got a lot of different disciplines underneath his, um, his racing history. I think this is going to be a big part of him being successful very early in this new car um but he's raced everything from sports cars to rally cross and then obviously to stock cars he actually won a bronze medal at the x games driving rally cross what yeah that's actually super dope um when he was 16 and 17 he drove all sorts of sports cars from porsche to mclaren's in the imsa series um and he drove several imsa events where he actually became the youngest winner of this series and then he drove for um brett Keselowski's final season of the truck series uh, before Brad actually shut his truck series um, team down. Uh, he was part-time for Penske and Roush in Xfinity before he ultimately landed a full-time gig with Penske, where he's now gone on to win 13 races, 89 top 10s over four seasons. And then of note, his first two Xfinity wins were at road courses. Um, mm-hmm. So keep that in mind for later on this year when we start betting. Cindric um, is very good at road courses. I'm ready. Um, we, actually, we might actually have some competition for Chase Elliott. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess Kyle lost him two of them last year, but still. Yeah, and Briscoe was in the running for one of those. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and obviously the last point, obviously, we just touched on, but he's replacing Brad in the two cars, so he's jumping right into a top car in the series. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Cedric is um, another guy that I think I kind of tabbed as being another. He's probably was going to be one of my top three even before I started this list. Um, Where'd you have him? I'm sorry. He's three for me. Oh, okay, I had him at four. Yeah, you picked yeah. him at four. Okay. Um, but yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's also got a lot of personality. I think he's he's very modest. I think if you if you watch the I was gonna series, say, yeah, championship the, race. What really, yeah, what really. Um, I was gonna. What was I gonna say? What really impressed me about Cindric was when Hemrick used the bumper to push him out of the way on the last corner to win the Xfinity Championship. He's like, that's just that's just racing. Just racing. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, shit. I mean, like, because I'm just used to I'm just used to dudes like just like Denny Hamlin like just going off yeah. on Alex Bowman and like trying to like you know. Do untold amount of money of damage on the front straightaway there when he's trying to celebrate. But right. uh, Cedric, man, class act at least uh, from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. And, no, uh, definitely. Yeah. And he's and he's uh, he's been with Penske for so long. He's got a good relationship with a lot of Penske guys. So him and Ryan Blaney are pretty good friends actually. Ryan Blaney has his own podcast that I listen to. Cedric's been on there to guest host whenever Ryan couldn't be on. Um, and that podcast, if you've ever listened to it, uh, is probably about two of the two minutes of the full hours about racing the rest of it's just about nonsense so yeah. whenever Cindric gets on there it's kind of fun to listen to because I mean it's just he talks about things other than racing which is you wouldn't expect that from a guy that seems like racing is just in his blood mm-hmm. um, now so yeah. question is uh, is Cindric taking the Miller Lite sponsor to the number two car as well or are we going to get for once like oh actually well Keselowski used to race with Miller Lite but now he yeah. doesn't anymore so, I was going to say yeah, he, he actually has discount tire for the last like few years 
Um, but in my mind, I always see the number two Miller Light car. I don't. Now you say that, I don't really know what his primary sponsor is going to be. He wished a green car in Xfinity. That's all I know. Well, he did. He did Menards most of the time. Menards, okay. Which is a Penske. Well, that's Blaney's sponsor too, right? It's really a Penske sponsor, but it's oh, okay. Blaney's main sponsor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that body armor. Yeah. Shout out that Mamba car that he uh, he drove. I think yes, like according to jski.com, which if you ever want to know anything about NASCAR, it's a place to go. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be running Menards Discount Tire, America's Tire, Auto Trader, Money Lion, Dent Wizard. Yeah, and, Wizard, yep. um, that was a definite Kozlowski sponsor. And Wabash National. Yeah, I think these are just all Penske sponsors. Yeah. Okay. I guess we're not that big of a team. Like, you don't have much trouble with yeah. sponsors. So. Yeah. All right, gotcha. So, Cindric, number three for you, which means my number three driver is not correct. Uh, I put Christopher Bell here. Uh, another absolute, like, prodigy stud from what I've heard. Like, really, since I got into the NASCAR business, he was, like, the top prospect that I always heard about. Um, dominated the Xfinity series. I don't think he ever won a championship with an Xfinity, but like he had like a career, like a all time year, like a Kyle Larson type year. He just couldn't finish it off. Like Reddick got him at the end there uh, at the final hurdle. But yeah, Bell. I mean, he checks the same boxes as Cindric does, except for he has a bit more experience in NASCAR. Obviously, driving for the Joe Gibbs Twenty, uh, won his first NASCAR Cup Series win at the road. It was a road course, right? The Daytona Road. Yeah, the first right? race of the year. Was the first race here? Mm-hmm. Well, after sorry, after the 500. after the five hundred, yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. So Bell, um, also another thing I like about Bell is like, for some reason the books tend to underrate him a lot because he's always like thirty to one, even though he's in like a Gibbs car and he's supremely talented. So I think he's a guy from like an outside perspective that could present a lot of value going forward. Um, and out in the outright market, a guy that I you know liked to bet on a lot last year and um, did catch a ticket at one point. So yeah, I put Chris Bell at three. I. I knew I knew Chris did like Chris Bell because I feel like everyone kind of likes Chris Bell. He's like the poster boy prospect, at least in the last couple of years that I've seen. So, yeah, it's not correct, obviously, but I think you had him at what five or so. I'm five. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I think when I first started the list, I did have him at four before I moved Eric Jones ahead of him. Um, but I, I do like Chris Bell. I think I kind of this is kind of my foreshadowing earlier on in, in the episode where I kind of said that just because they're a good driver, they have to kind of have a good personality too for me to kind of catch on to him. Christopher Bell thinks it's kind yeah. of boring. True, true, true. Uh, even in his interviews, I just think he's very boring. But he is a very good racer. Um, he's driving the number 20 Toyota Camry for JGR. He's 27 years old, which is actually, he looks like he's about 12. So that's kind of surprising. Yeah. Um, but he was born in Norm- Norman, Oklahoma. He was the 2017 Truck Series champion. So he does have a truck championship. Um, he's got 17 career Xfinity wins, um, but never won a championship. He finished, uh, his best finish was third in points. Um, but where his where he really gains all his um, all his traction is in kind of like Kyle Larson. He's got the Kyle Larson mold. He's he races dirt probably not as much as Kyle Larson, but almost as much as Kyle Larson. And he's equally as successful as Larson is. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually won the Chili Bowl three time, three years in a row from 2017 to 2019. Chili Bowl is like I don't know if people know this, but it's it's kind of the crown jewel of dirt racing in the sprint car world. When Kyle Larson won it last year, he said it was one of his biggest wins of his career. Wow. Was when the Chili Bowl. Christian Bowles won that three times. Um, so yeah, um, and Christian Bowles actually does own his own sprint car team as well, um, which is how he's able to race a lot of races. But whenever he obviously he's got a full time ride cup, he's not able to do as much. So um, he does own his own team, um, has other people drive for him as well. Are they racing Bristol Dirt again this year? They are, yes. Okay. So him and Larson will be probably like yeah, two four to one. one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Chris Bell four um, to one, Larson two to one. So yeah, Chris Bell. I mean, yeah, he's a supreme talent. It's Unfortunately, the, I think he's the fourth best driver at JGR because he's got legends ahead of him. Right. <laughs> um, but 
as opposed to Bowman, who and you said it when you said legends, but as opposed to Bowman, who is behind three guys in their prime or at least approaching their prime. Bell is Bell. There is room for growth for Bell oh, within yeah. that team because Bell, in the next three years, Bell could be the guy at JGR because exactly. um, there's been rumors of Truex honestly retiring in the next year or so. Yeah. Um, Kyle Busch, who knows? I mean, Kyle Busch could easily be courted by another team, or I mean, he's not as young as you think he is either. No. And then Dane Hamlin, I mean, he's now a team owner, so how long is he going to stick around? Um, so I mean, you got three guys ahead of him who could be, you know, they could race for the next ten years. Who knows? But they also probably are not. Long for maybe five to seven years, probably. Yeah. So Bell, Bell's in definitely a better spot than than Bowman when you talk about like right. going forward with the team. All right, so, yeah. So it's really the personality that that drew you away from Bell because honestly, honestly the, yeah. The, yeah, the pedigree and like the there, skill obviously is, is all there. Right. Yeah. Okay. So my top two, and I'm surprised that we're we're not like these guys aren't the top two. I'm trying to think who. Oh, I know you haven't said yet. Okay. Yeah. So who do you know who's left as far as like. Because I know I haven't seen your number one. Do you know who I've who I think I just is? I think I just came across it. But okay. I, I mean I don't know who you're about to say, but there's a guy that's a lot lower on my list than top two. <laughs> yeah, no, I know because obviously Briscoe was two, right? Yeah. So one of these guys is one, and one of these guys is like super low. So let's low. let's just go ahead and I want to hear who you think is number one and two, and then we'll talk about them both. But well, I'll, my just... okay, my number one. I feel like I got it wrong now. My number one is Tyler Reddick. You got it. Yes, we got a point, baby. Because <laughs> I know, I know, Chris is gonna get a point at least one <laughs> because he knows my favorite golfer. So we got, we got Tyler Reddick as number one. I just, Chris talks about Tyler Reddick all the time. He literally bets Tyler Reddick like every single week. Yeah, yeah. So like, and he, to be fair, he the other guy's William Byron. He bets William Byron a lot too. Um, but Tyler Reddick, again, he, him, and Chris Bell were fighting back and forth for Xfinity. He has the same, I think, type of pedigree that Christopher Bell has. Um, being that. Dominic Xfinity, um, being that kind of next big thing coming up in a NASCAR at RCR, a team that I know Chris likes a lot um, in the number eight Caterpillar car. Um, and yeah, I, I know Chris just in general, I just hear Chris talk about Tyler Reddick a lot. So Byron, again, what kind of kept me off of Willie B was, again, we, we talked about Chris doesn't really like to follow the status quo, and I feel like Byron has a lot of steam on him right now. So, although Chris might be bullish on William going forward, I just felt like Reddick was it fit Chris's mo a bit better than, than Willie B did. But I just I still had Willie B at two because I I knew Chris liked him a lot. Um, maybe not if not from a fan perspective, but from like a going forward, he like I know Chris is extremely bullish on his future. Um, so I, I I figured Byron had to be up there somewhere, but apparently not. Um, but yeah, Reddick was Reddick was the guy that you got Reddick. Yeah. That I, that so I we'll we'll talk we'll talk about Byron first, and then we'll get to the guy that I'm ultimately going to plant my flag on this year. But or not this year, but really. Going forward. How old is Reddick? I mean, 25. 20, yeah, so 15 um, years now. So William Byron, yeah, he's seventh on my list, actually. So I actually had him one spot lower than, than Bowman. Wow. Um, I do like William Byron a lot. I think he's a premier talent in this league um, or in this um, series. series. Mm-hmm. But, um, again, I don't, I don't know that the personality's there. And I, okay. I don't know that, again, is he ever as good as he is, is he ever going to be better than Jason Lake and Kyle Larson? I don't know. Yeah, but I feel like you're more, um, you're more bullish on Byron going forward than you are Bowman. Oh, definitely. Yeah. As in, like, he's got a better chance to yeah. be a cup champion than Alex Bowman does. Right. So, a quick um, rundown on Byron. I actually have quite a few pivots here, or bullets here, so I'll kind of run through this pretty quick. But, yes, the driver of the 24 Chevy Camaro for Hendrick. He's only 24. Um, he was born in Charlotte, went to Charlotte Country Day. Um, okay. He's actually currently attending Liberty. He's majoring in business communication while he's in the Cup Series. Um that's also his primary sponsor on his car. 
um, because his dad is pretty high up. I don't know what his exact title is. He might be the dean or something like that at Liberty. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Byron, Byron won the K&M Pro Series East Championship. He won the Truck Series Rookie of the Year. He's a 2017 Xfinity Rookie of the Year and champion. Um, he's a 2018 Cup Series Rookie of the Year. Um, his history dates back to Martinsville at the age of six, where he fell in love with the racing. Um, he went home, downloaded iRacing, and ended up accumulating over 100 wins and 298 top fives in online competition. Um, he started racing Legends, Legend Cars at the age of 15, which is actually pretty late in the NASCAR world. But he ended up winning 33 races. He caught the eye of um, Junior Motorsports, who signed him to their late model, late model program. Um, he'd only gone to win one race, but had 11 top fives and finished second in the series to teammate Josh Berry, who ironically is now racing for JR Motorsports in the Xfinity Series. Mm-hmm. Um, he then signed to run K&N and won four races and the championship. He ended up racing for Kyle Busch Motorsports in the Truck Series. He won seven races, which is the most ever by a rookie um, in the Truck Series. Um, but he blew an engine in the last race, or in the uh, round of eight, and just missed the championship four. At that point, he signed with um, a contract with Hendrick, but it was to run J- at JR Motorsports in the Xfinity Series, where he ended up winning the championship. Um, the following year is when he was named replacement in the five car for Casey Kane. And then a few days later, he was moved to the 24 as Chase Elliott was rebranded to run the 9. Um, he won his first cup race in 2020 at Daytona. And then, as we just touched on, 2020 was his best season yet. Mm-hmm. He won at Homestead. He followed up with 11 straight top 10s, ended up finishing 10th in points this year after a tough playoff run. Um, and then one last little fact I just had to throw in here that I think it's funny. He's actually currently dating Kurt Ryan Blaney's sister, Erin. I did hear about that, They've been dating for like yeah, three yeah. or four years now, um, which is kind of funny, I think. Um, so, yeah, I do like William Byron. Um, I do think he is a supreme talent. In, Stud. Yeah. yeah. Um, but as far as, I don't know. This wasn't for me. This, he doesn't really kind of fit the bill, of, the bill of health for me. I don't know. I get you. I get you. Um, but, yes, Tyler Reddick. Tyler Reddick is the guy. Wax plenty, bud. Um, Mike's yours. I'm glad you got one. I'm glad you got the one. Yeah. Um, that, that's got to feel good. So, yeah, driver of the number... Taking on the chin here for the last, like, two hours. So. Driver of the number eight, Chevy Camaro, for RCR. He's 25-year-old. 25-year-old. He turns 26, actually, um, in 10 days. Um, he's from Cording, California, and currently resides in Mooresville, North Carolina. Um, he started racing at the age of four, and then similar to Larson, he has a very extensive dirt background. Um, to this day, he's actually the youngest driver ever to qualify for a World of Outlaws feature race at the age of 13. Um, he won his first ever ARCA race at the age of 16 in his debut in the series. Um, he raced for Brad Kozlowski Racing in the Truck Series and ended up finishing second in points behind Eric Jones. Um, in 2017, he ran a part-time experience schedule for Chipka Nassi, where he won um, at Kentucky, which ultimately led him to ride with JR Motorsports in 2017. Um, with JR Motorsports, he won his debut race at Daytona over Elliott Sadler by .0004 seconds, which is the closest NASCAR finish in NASCAR history. I don't even know how to quantify that. It's like literally like an inch. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you watch the video, it's if you watch it full-time, you'd never know who won. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that year, he actually went on to win the championship, um, and then he actually switched teams, kind of like what Hemrick's doing right now. Actually. He switched teams after winning the championship from JR Motorsports to RCR, where he would go on to win six races, finish top five 24 times, and route to his second straight Xfinity title. He's currently the only driver in the NASCAR series to win back-to-back titles for two different teams. Hmm. Um, and then in the Cup Series, we've just seen him improve in every single year he's been in the Cup Series. He was 19th in points this first year, 13 points this past year. Um, he's still searching for his first win, but he's come very close. I mean, just this year, Texas, Vegas, Homestead, Talladega, he was right in the mix. Um, second place at three of the four of those. Um, yeah, I think Todd Reddick is going to catch the, the series by storm this year. I really do. 
Um, I think that he's going to have to switch teams in order to be a dominant racer. Yeah. But, um, I mean... Yeah, but like you said, for a couple of these guys, all it takes is one win, and all of a sudden he's... Yeah. You know, like, if you can win with RCR, then the big teams start to be like, oh, okay, this guy's really got what it takes to... It to almost, a, a and it, to be honest with you, what's kind of drawn me to him as well is his come up almost feels a lot like Larson. I where, was gonna say, yeah, his his comp for me is Larson because he likes to ride the high line. Yeah, well, yeah, and he's good at his not only that, but he's just constantly outperforming his equipment. Mm-hmm. And even though Austin Dillon is a good driver too and runs pretty even to Reddick, I think Reddick just shows he's more he's in the mix more than Austin Dillon. It feels like, yeah, um, Dillon has his tracks. I feel like whereas yeah. Reddick's more week in week out, right. And like you just brought up, there are certain tracks where like I'm, it's Reddick is an automatic bet for me. Holmes is one of those guys, one of those races where he can run that top line, yep. and him and Larson the only ones who can run it. And that's probably the whole reason why. I mean, I don't want to take this away from him, but that's the reason why Reddick has two Xfinity championships because those races were at Homestead. Yep. Um. So yeah, and then I just think I think Reddick is just he's hilarious on Twitter. If you don't follow him on Twitter, he's he's hilarious. He's constantly um going on people's podcasts and. Um, I just think he's a genuine, like, just a genuinely funny guy. I think he's going to be a guy to watch. That's good. In the next few years. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it. Right on. And, and, the, good and news, he, the good news for me is um, until he moves to Joe Gibbs or one of the top teams, he's still going to be like 40 to 1. So he's not going to cost you that much money. Whereas if, if Byron was our guy for the podcast, we'd yeah. bet him a 10 to 1 every <laughs> single week and like lose our money. So, yeah, uh, that, that's nice, man. And, and maybe we can uh, we can rig up a little number eight cap to put instead of Yankees cap on the Twitter bio and uh, and really, really plant our flag officially for um, for Tyler Reddick. So. And, that's, and that's another big thing, too, is that he's in that eight car, which is kind of like a classic classic car number. Yeah, true. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we're all, in a, we're all in Tyler Reddick this Dude, year. if you could guess, like, this is asking a lot, but... If you could guess which of like the four power teams he might end up with, is there have there been rumors swirling about like, because obviously everyone knows how good Tyler Reddick is, um, like Hendrick seems like it's kind of locked out right now, but do you think like is there like Joe Gibbs or Penske rumors or Stuart Haas rumors? Because um, those would be the the four teams that would be a true upgrade of our OCR, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't know honestly. Yeah. I mean, I haven't heard any rumors. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to go back and look to see. Oh, because he was with so he was with um, RCR and JR Motorsports, which are both Chevy teams. So he's very firmly in the Chevy camp. So for yeah. him to go to one of those other teams that's not Hendrick, he'd have to switch manufacturers, which is kind of rare. A lot of guys stick with the same manufacturer their entire career. True. Yeah. But like we just kind of brought up, there's three racers, three drivers for our, for um, JGR. Who could be gone in the next few years? So I think JJR would be the ideal lane spot for him. Yeah. Now Reddick, Reddick, and Bell on the same lineup. Now, now I will say also like Tony Stewart has an affinity for dirt racers, yeah. so Tony Stewart could try to lure him to SHR, be the um, part replacement maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's room for him in the Chevy camp currently. He'd have to just probably stick with RCR. Right. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm asking you like hypotheticals that like you yeah. don't really have. He has he has about. driven for Chip Ganassi in the Xfinity, so I mean, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that he goes um, the Toyota route. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, don't, I really don't know. I, I don't know what his contract looks like currently either. Yeah. So but, it's okay, yeah. man. Tyler yeah. Reddick, official friend of the pod. Yeah. So good to get that sorted. Twenty twenty. That is our official twenty two twenty two NASCAR little preview segment we had. Obviously, we're 
going to have um, a buddy of ours on that's really, really into the technical aspect of NASCAR. Uh, talking about the Bush Clash, talking about the, the package going forward. So if you're into the technical aspect, be sure to tune in. Um, kind of starting next month, right? Uh, first week of February is going to be the Bush Clash yeah, in LA. First or second week, yeah. Yeah, so we'll transition now into our PGA preview. So mine's going to be a little bit different than Chris because I have, if you guys have listened to the podcast for more than about five seconds, uh, you know I have a favorite player, and uh, he will be included in this segment. But the thing that really excites me, um, Chris Chris was really kind of intrigued with um, the, the changing landscape of NASCAR and you know picking a new driver and seeing all this kind of the change that's happening within the sport. Um, for me, golf is um, it, it, there's not really much change that happens year to year uh, in terms of like equipment or anything like that, obviously. Um, but I think the thing that compels me the most about 2022. Um, it's just the sheer amount of talent we have at the top of this at, at the top of this um, this field or at the top of the PJ Tour right now, top of the world rankings. The younger talent that's coming through, the guys that have broken out in a big way, I think, and and maybe even some veterans that are primed for big bounce back years. So I think they're. Uh, I sent Chris again, just like he sent me. I sent him twelve names of guys that I think could legitimately have a case to when we have this conversation next year, be the man to beat. Um, going into 2023. Um, and so I, like like uh, Chris had me, I had Chris rank order these guys 12 to 1, and we're going to do a similar kind of segment, except for Chris is going to introduce each golfer um, in this segment in terms of his, his perception of the odds or the chances these guys are going to have to be the man to beat at the end. Now, um, the 12 golfers I gave him in no particular order are Patrick Cantley, Xander Shoffley, Brooks Kepka, Sam Burns, Colin Morikawa, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, Victor Hovland, Jordan Spieth, Bryson DeChambeau, and Justin Thomas. Um, if you guys are golf fans, or even not really golf fans, you've heard most of those names. Some of those names might be a surprise to you, considering um, maybe they've just, we'll, we'll obviously talk about them recently, but maybe not household names in terms of, you know, your use of them at, um, use them being at the top of the leaderboard or anything like that, but I think all 12 of these guys have legitimate cases. Um, and even though even though one of these guys or a couple of these guys are going to be ranked 10th, 11th, 12th, just the fact they're on this list, I think it's just a credit to, to how good these guys truly are. And I think all these guys legitimately have a shot to to really catapult themselves into superstardom uh, and into, like I said, the top of the golfing world. So I'm going to let Chris kind of go over kind of his thought process maybe when he was making this list, and then we'll kind of get into the countdown because uh, I think we're running pretty – Pretty long as it stands right now. It's it's well past midnight. We've been at this for a little while, so um, we're officially in twenty twenty two now. This so. yeah, happy twenty twenty two, everybody. Officially happy twenty twenty two. It's it says one one twenty two on my uh, computer right now in the bottom left corner. So uh, happy new year to everybody. All right, so this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. When you first sent me the list, I was like, oh, I think I can probably nail this. But as I started doing that, I, I actually just changed the number as I was sitting here looking at it because I was like, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about that. Also because we're in the middle of the draft, so like I'm kind of seeing like where people are going. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so that's probably changed my mind a little bit. But yeah, so I think 12 for me, I know he's a hot name right now mm-hmm. in the Twitter sphere, but Sam Burns, I think, is at 12 for me for player of the year just because I think he's got a high ceiling, but we've also seen him, how low his floor can be. I think we just saw it at... Um, Hero Challenge. Hero, yeah, where he was, I think he had the lead, right? With like he had the lead, and then he like chipped his way out of the like, yeah, on like one just hole. completely he, fell apart. Yeah, That's, um, Chris, is, I'm impressed. Chris has been watching a little <laughs> bit of golf on the offseason. I like that. Uh, but Chris is absolutely correct. Sam Burns is number twelve. He was a speculative um, kind of player here on this kind of top twelve list, but I had to include him just because 
Statistically, he's been absolutely ridiculous. This is a guy that you could have gotten at 80, 90, 100 to 1 routinely last year. Uh, two PGA Tour wins, um, including one at the Sanderson Farms in the swing season. He won the Valspar um, earlier. I believe it was actually the week of uh, Christopher's wedding. Uh, he won the Valspar. Uh, we had Victor Hopland that week. Did not go well. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, Sam Burns is number twelve for me. Uh, the good news, the good news about Sam Burns is that outside of his chipping game, I think the rest of his game is absolutely set up to be a top top player. Like, I think obviously the sample size is going to let him down a little bit just because we haven't really seen him um, compete yet at a major. He only played in two of the majors last year. He didn't play the Masters or the PGA Championship, and didn't really, didn't really wasn't really in the mix at the U.S. Open or the Open Championship. So. Obviously, we haven't seen him at the big events. His two wins have come at maybe lower-profile events for the PGA Tour, but still a great season. Um, but the off-the-tee game is phenomenal. He's one of the longest drivers on tour. Um, the iron play has really, really improved, and the putting has always been a calling card for Sam Burns. So you think about that. like This is just a guy that strikes the shit out of the ball, can make a ton of putts, which when you talk about the elite players of the game, typically they do rely on their ball striking their TD green game. So when you can find a guy who not only strikes the ball as well as these league guys, but has the putter to back it up. Uh, you can talk about a guy that, you know, is capable of just shooting up leaderboards and making a ton of birdies. So I'm bullish on Sam Burns, but yes, he, he is clearly number 12 for me um, on this list. Maybe a bit of a, maybe a bit of a, 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 a toss game. up. Yeah. A, a bit of a, a softball there for Chris there to start the list. But um, I'm, I'm very, very bullish on Sam Burns and, Actually, full disclosure, I have two major features on him if we we're going to talk about that later. Um, I have him at the PGA Championship at 66 to 1. I have him at the Open Championship at 100 to 1. Um, so we'll, we'll talk to that. We'll talk about kind of my majors as the year goes on. But uh, Burns, a guy I'm super bullish on, and it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him to see him climb the world rankings uh, into the top 10 and alongside some of the guys we'll, we'll name who are legitimate stars of the game. All right. Um, 11. Yeah, 11, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, this one's this is what actually just changed as we were like literally minutes ago because I had him a little higher than I was like man I just don't know if, if player of the year is where he can get to I think he's he's a good player and I think that he's gonna probably win a major this year but player of the year I don't know if he can do it and it's Brooks Kepka. Brooks Kepka, okay. I'm a bit more bullish than Brooks. I'm a bit more bullish on Brooks than you are. Um, I've got him at seven. Okay. So Kepka's a guy and Chris mentioned it. Player of the year is a bit tough when you consider Brooks's overall body work. Um, even though he did lead the PJ Tour money list in 2019, these past few years of Kepka have really been more about um, him peaking for the right events. For a guy that's just 31 years old, um, it seems like he's already kind of on that like autumn of his career type of schedule where he doesn't really care at all about any other event. I guess you could argue he's always kind of been like that, but at least Brooks always had the high and upside to go off there and just like shoot 20 under par at like the CJ Cup randomly and win an event. Um, but it really does seem like he's just gearing up for the majors. Um, so I do get Chris's argument there. The thing with Brooks is when it comes to player of the year, I am very bullish on Brooks at the major venues this year. Obviously, Augusta National is a place he's had a ton of success. St. Andrews self is self-proclaimed his favorite course in the world um, and, a, and a place that he could really tear apart with his driver. Uh, and then Southern Hills is just a classic kind of long American track that requires a bomber, a bit of short game. And then uh, in a similar vein, the Country Club at, um, at Brookline there in Massachusetts um, is a place that, again, requires a short game. It's going to be, you know, the main defense is going to be some thick rough and some small greens. I think with Kepka's iron play and around the green play, his strength to get it out of the rough, um, he can have a lot of success in all the major venues this year. 
And so even though, yeah, he is maybe working with a little bit of a handicap compared to some of these other guys, um, when you think about maybe the sheer volume events that he's going to be up for, the sheer volume events that, you know, um, you know, you, we, we get to some of these other guys on this list and they can legitimately compete everywhere and they've proven they can win. Birdie Fest, they can win. Tough events, they can win. Everything in between. Kepka's kind of more of a specialist when it comes to the harder events. Uh, but I'm just so bullish on him. I think he does bag a major, like Chris said. I think he's I think he's one of the favorites for St. Andrews. I, I expect to bet him at Augusta as well. Um, and so for me, Kepka is kind of right in the middle of the pack there at seven. I think he does have a bit more motivation maybe this year than in past, just because I feel like he does feel a bit disrespected because of this new generation. The guys we're, we're about to talk about, the you know, the guys like Sam Mars that we've already talked about, maybe he feels a bit disrespected that this new generation is getting all this press, all this hype, um, and he maybe wants to remind the media and, and the golf fandom, like, man, when I'm, when I'm on, I'm still the baddest man in golf. You know, I'm still probably the best player post-Tiger we've ever seen. You know, the, the run he had from 2017 to 2019 was just absolutely incredible winning four majors winning four of eight majors coming top three in like four straight u.s open so um yeah kepka's the real deal um but yes there are a few more question marks maybe than than the guys we're gonna have above him when it comes to um week in week out consistency but yeah kepka for me seven so in that stretch from 2017 to 2019 did he ever win player of the year in those years um that's a good question <laughs> it's funny we did this we we did this um whole segment but it's not really about player of the year for me. It's more about like who the man to beat is. Like okay. play, like I'm not really gonna be out here like sweating like the the voters player of the year. I know he was top, he topped the PJ Tour money list in 2019. Obviously, he won two majors each, or he won two majors in 2018, and then won each in 2017 and 2019. Uh, but I will look that up, brother, because that is actually really worth uh, discussing. But PJ Tour player of the year is always a bit subjective. I mean, Cantley won it last year, and a lot of people disagree with that. So. Um, Yes, he did win in 2018. So, okay. yeah, it went Cantley, DJ, uh, which I could have guessed, Rory in 2019. He actually won back-to-back in 2017 and 2018. So, there you go. Uh, I've exposed myself for not doing the research uh, necessary <laughs> for the play of the year. But, like I said, it's not really about the actual award. It's more for me about um, kind of the status these guys will hold in the game uh, this time next year. So, yeah, but that's a good question, Chris. 2017 right. and 2018. Number 10. Yep. Um, this is a guy that I think kind of the opposite of Brooks. Mm-hmm. Not good at majors, but can be turn it on and kill it at every other event. Rory McIlroy. Wow. Okay. Wow. That's that's an interesting narrative you just brought up on my plate there. Rory McIlroy is number six for me. Okay. I'm bullish on Rory as well. Um, <laughs> the yeah, like it's it's a jarring narrative for me as a golf fan for you to say that he's not good at majors when he has won four. Okay, I guess recent history is probably what Correct. I meant to say. He hasn't won since twenty. He hasn't won once since twenty fourteen. So we're going to if we if he will be if we get another majorless Rory year, it will be eight years since he won his last major, which is absolutely incredible for a player of his caliber. He's already a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, yeah, man, Rory is again. He went through. I think. You're falling a bit victim to kind of when you got into golf. Yeah, recency bias for sure. Right, because this past year, really since post-COVID, from COVID, when COVID, when golf started back after COVID, which I think was May 2020, until it was when it was Fargo, he probably had the worst stretch of his career. And then he turned it on, won at two courses that him well, Fazio Designs, places that we know Rory can play well at. Um, and yeah, but definitely the struggles have been there for Rory like we've never seen. Um, what I'm maybe the most bullish on 
has been his swing season. Um, he obviously won at the CJ Cup, being Colin Morikawa uh, down the stretch there in Vegas at Colin's home course. Um, and then going on in the Race Dubai final um, over there um, in the, at, on the European Tour and pretty much controlling that tournament to the last like five holes. I mean, we talked about Colin's win in Dubai earlier when we talked about our parlay, but Roy McIlroy had that thing on lock until Colin just made a crazy run at the end and Roy caught a couple bad breaks hitting the flag stick and make a couple, making a couple unfortunate bogeys. Uh, Rory, like Brooks, I think the majors set up really well for him. I mean, St. Andrews was a place that he dominated as an amateur. He finished second there as an amateur uh, in 2010 when Louis Oosthuizen won. Um, and then, obviously, Gus Nash, I'm trying to complete the career Grand Slam. Um, I just think when Rory's on, like, he legitimately could be the best player in the world still. So, for me, he's just not a guy I can put at 10, just given his skill set and given his ceiling. Um, and I think we're in for... A definite resurgence for Warren McIlroy this year, and and hopefully he can he can turn kind of the the narrative that's been written about him as as kind of a second tier golfer because man when when Roy's on man like you saw at the ZJ Cup like he can just tear apart golf mm-hmm. courses with his with his driver with his length um and his iron play his around the green play and obviously and obviously his putter has been honestly a lot better than um his putter's been really really good over this last like few months stretch so. I can see the game kind of come together. He's a, he's a guy that I, I, like I said, I'm really, really encouraged with, with what I saw in the fall. And so I think he's in for a really, really big 2022. So I've got him at six. Um, I honestly could have put him higher than that, but I'm, I'm really, really high on a lot of the guys, obviously, in the top five. So Roy, for me, falls at six. He's a guy that um, I'll definitely be have exposure to as we go forward in the speedy short season. Okay. Yeah. Actually, I think he's the only – fun fact, I think he's the only guy other than – He's only one of two guys on this list that's not playing next week at the Century Tournament Championship. He's just, I think, formally pulled out uh, of Hawaii this year. Which usually he, he likes to play the European Tour events in the in the wintertime that like come to the PGA Tour uh, for the Florida Swing in the, kind of the early spring. So so we will, hopefully we'll be seeing Roy soon, but he will not be there uh, in who's, Hawaii. Who's the other guy that's not going to be there? Uh, Dustin Johnson, because he didn't win an event last year. Gotcha. Yep. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so number nine for me. Um now I'm looking at it, like, man, do I actually want this guy higher or not? <laughs> no, I'm going to I'm going to keep him here. Um, gold medalist, Xander Schauffele. Yeah, yeah. Xander, honestly, when you were going through your spiel on 11, I thought you nailed Xander, too. I've got Xander at 11. Okay. Um, and it feels weird because, like, I love Xander. He's, He's got two T2s at majors, right? He might have more than that. I mean, Xander Schauffele is, I mean, he is the poster boy for, you know, like, Always a bridesmaid, never the bride. Like when it comes to major championships, he's, he had a lot of close calls. But yeah, I, now that you now that you say that, I think Carnoustie 2018, and then obviously the Masters. Actually, he didn't even finish second in the Masters. Bellator's, uh while I picked him in at the end, I do put in the drink on 16. But yeah, certainly he's had his close calls at majors. Certainly he's had. Um, he did win gold medal, right? He did win the gold medal. <laughs> correct, correct. Uh, certainly he's had he's had his close calls in regular PGA Tour events. You know, he he probably has. Um, you know, he, he, in terms of the skill that Xander Schauffele possesses, he's underachieved in terms of his resume thus far, uh, especially when you consider the odds that we typically see Xander Schauffele at. Um, again, he does everything well. You know, he's a great driver of the golf ball, great iron player, uh, great putter. The around the green game comes and goes, but it's certainly not a weakness of his. Um, for me, Xander, it just comes down to I've seen these other guys close the deal multiple times over the last few years. Xander... 
yes, he, he won the gold medal, and obviously that's a phenomenal for him and his family, uh, with his dad being a former Olympian, uh, decathlete that never could quite get on the podium. Um, but it just never, it didn't even seem easy there. Like, he almost got chased down by Rory Sabatini. Um, Hideki was hanging around for him, and he had to get up and down from 90 yards uh, in the fairway to, uh, to secure that gold medal. So, I, like I said, the fact that he's even on this list is a testament to how good he is. But when you compare him to the guys we're going to talk to later, uh, talk about later, and you know a guy like Rory, a guy like Brooks, like when Rory and Brooks get in the mix, I'm not worried about them. Like you know what I mean? Like I, I I've seen them close the deal. I've seen them, you know, um, down the stretch, and, and they're able to handle. Um, I, I know for a fact they've got what it takes to to close these big tournaments. I just haven't seen it from Xander yet, and until I do, I'm probably going to be off, um, especially at the current prices. Uh, that we typically see him at. Now it will be interesting to see because Xander does kind of feel like a bit of a forgotten guy when you when you think about guys like Hovland that have come on huge in the fall, a guy like Cantley that just won the FedEx Cup um, and had a great 2021. Colin Morcow, obviously his big emergence. Um, so Xander could, of all these guys, I could see Xander falling into like the 20s and the 25s one. And in that case, in that scenario, I'd be all in on Xander. But um, as it stands, when you compare him to these guys, he is. Um, more in more in the bottom range for me uh, as opposed to the other ones. So yeah, Xander Shoffley, number 11 for me. All right. This is where things get a little... I think similar yeah. to you for the 5 to 9 range for you for me for NASCAR, this like... I think four... So your guesses so far have been Burns... To, I'm sorry, Burns, Kepka, Rory, Xander, right? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. This 4 to 8 range I did not feel good about. To be fair, 4 to 8 was tough for me to rank. I think, I think the first three I think I'm okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. So eight, I'm gonna actually go in with, which a guy that I just took in the fantasy draft, Jordan Spieth. Okay, I have, you're close. I have Jordan Spieth at ten. Okay, I have Spieth at ten. Um, Spieth, another guy who I love the majors for this year. Um, obviously Augusta, he absolutely loves. Uh, St Andrews is a place that he was one shot off a playoff in 2015, and then Southern Hills and Brookline, by all uh, scouting reports I've seen, are. Big time are going to put a lot of emphasis on the short game, which obviously you're looking at around the green and putting play. Um, Jordan Spieth, the top of the top of the class here. Um, but the thing with Jordan is he has a debilitating weakness, and that is the off the tee game. His driver is, I think, by far the worst of the 12 guys in this list. And when you talk about the PGA Tour, and you're talking about these long, stretched out golf courses. Um, I think Spieth's driver is just going to be a gnat, like just a thorn in the side. Uh, when it comes to competing with the t- with the best players in the game, um, obviously Speed. You know he's won three majors. You know he he is he's come a long way from where he was last year. I mean last year he wouldn't have been even close to this list. We're getting him at like 125 to one to win at Phoenix before he kind of started to put things together. Um, so it's good to see Jordan back. Um, the iron play look was great last year. Like I said, the short game is always good. Um, if he could just drive it at an average clip, he would be light years above where he is now um, and really put himself a lot more times in position uh, to, to win more events but yeah for me I'm just I'm a bit out on speed this year I'll be honest with you that, that's all that's all I gotta say that, that feels good so, yeah because I just drafted him at all uh, <laughs> <laughs> well yeah but he's still 10th on my list you no, know? No, no. <laughs> yeah I mean the thing with speed is like yeah like you're you're you can be off of him but like you have to acknowledge like he's Gonna be one of the two, three favorites to win Augusta like every year for like the rest of his life, and probably open championships as well. So even though like 
I don't tend to bet Spieth that often. Like, you have to acknowledge he just he just finds his way into, like, big tournaments. Yeah. You know, so. All right. Um, all right. Like so, I said, seven, right? Yeah. Wait, seven? So, yeah. so, you had Brooksy here. I had Brooksy here, yes. Um, <laughs> so, you're I trying just... to be tactical now and, like... No, no, no. I haven't changed it. Okay, okay. But I'm just... I don't know that I feel good about this, but I'm going with the reigning player of the year here, Patrick Cantley. Okay. That's not a bad pick. That's not... I, I acknowledge I might be too high on Cantley here. I've got Cantley at five. Okay. I'm... And, I'm not far off. Yeah, no, you're not far off at all. You're not far off at all. I've got Cantley at five. I, I really do think we saw a level up Patrick Cantley last year. Um, not many guys, I think, could win four times in a season. Um... I just he, feel like for me, sorry, cut you off. But like, yeah, go for it. I feel like to me, he came out of nowhere and like just won a bunch of events, like really, really quickly. Yeah. And like I, I can't even remember even like betting him early on in the season last year. So like, I guess for me, it's recency bias again. Where like I just feel like it happened so quick that's like I don't know, can he sustain it again for a full season? No, it's true. I mean, and to to replicate the season he just had would be a Herculean task. I mean, even guys at the top of this list only won one or two or three times last year. Um, so Cantley, I will say Cantley, like is he was like a blue chip prospect. We were talking about like a lot of the NASCAR guys, like he was the number one amateur in the world, went to UCLA. Okay, I didn't know. Um he was the it guy. If we were having this conversation five years ago, Cantley was the it guy. Unfortunately had a um literally a broken back, had to take a couple years off the game, had some personal issues. Um his one of his closest personal friends and caddy uh passed away tragically so he mm-hmm. had to take a break from the game. And so that that was one of the feel good stories of last year. You know, Cantley really emerging as like the guy that we thought he was when he was coming up as an amateur, now kind of in his prime, staring down the titans of the game, um, back-to-back weeks winning uh, the BMW in that 24-hole epic against Bryson, then holding off Rom. Um, also had two other wins in the season, beating Colmore County in a playoff, no big deal. And then um, the Zozo Championship at Sherwood Oaks where he outdueled Rom and JT. So his wins, like, yeah, I mean, he had his career year, but the wins he had were high-status events, you know. And against really, really good players and having to outdo really, really, or against really, really top class field and having to outdo really, really good players. Cantley as well. I mean, when you talk about just his game, he has no weaknesses. I mean, off the tee, on approach, uh, around the green, and putting, um, like, legitimately elite in every single one of those categories. Um, he's a guy, I think, just based on the stats, he could be even, like, three or two on this list. I mean, he, he I think there's actually room to grow for Cantley. Um, he full disclosure, he'll be on some major cards going forward. I think that is the one knock that you could make against Patrick is the fact that he hasn't really sniffed at, at a major yet. Um, even as opposed to a guy like Xander Schauffele, who's at 11 for me, Xander's at least been there on a Sunday. You really haven't, we really haven't seen Cantley have a chance to win on Sunday yet. So it'll be interesting to see, um, if this kind of, this renaissance he experienced in 2021, if that carries over. Uh, in 2022, yeah, I, I I could definitely see Cantley falling a little bit, you know, with the amount of talent that's below him at the moment, with guys like Rory and Brooks and uh, and Jordan and, and JT and all these guys. Um, yeah, he could definitely kind of fall back to where he was last year, but I, I truly think that he's turned a corner. And and um, you know, if you're Cantley, I mean, it's got to give you so much confidence just what you were able to pull off there at the end. You know, he had a great Ryder Cup as well. So, um, yeah, Cantley's my number five. I think I think we're in for a huge year for Patrick. Okay. Yeah. I learned a little about him. Because I actually didn't really know much about his background. So. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, all right. 
His next three, man. I did not fuck up. Right, you're at six now? Yeah. Uh, and I also, I'm looking like what you'd guess so far, and I haven't hit eight or nine, so I know that I'm way off on somebody. Um, but I think this might be the guy, mm-hmm. and it's funny because I actually had him lower, but I think I thought you liked him more, so I moved him up, but Bryson. Okay. So you have Bryson up with six. Six. I got Bryson at three. Okay, so I'd moved him up. Yeah. Okay. I just, for me, I, again, like, amateur in the golf world. Yeah. Talk to I, I don't see it. Like, I don't think I'm on board. Like, yeah. it just seems like his whole strategy of, like, trying to, like, Overpower break everything. down the golf course and, like, mm-hmm. scientifically, like, it's not working. Okay. I... I agree with you that Bryson has a he has a floor that a lot of people don't have. Like we saw the Open Championship last year. If if things don't go Bryson's way, like he can eject quickly from a tournament. Like I I bet it got to a point at the Open I think at Royal St George's he was like fifty to one pre tournament. I was like I just have to bet this out of principle. And then like within three polls I was like okay that was like wasted money because like he's not winning the only championship but there's also and that might have been the same t- time where you put in our chat like okay that's it like Bryson's off the list like we're not betting him anymore like right right and then we bet him at the BMW when he's left. <laughs> but um for me yeah I understand Bryson has again clear deficiencies in his game um his wedge play is flat out atrocious like compared to the rest of these guys um his around the green game is not good but what Bryson has above all of these guys is just a clear clear elite trait his distance is something that cannot be replicated by anyone on this list. Um, the fact that he's speed training again, apparently reportedly getting like you know 210 ball speed, 220 ball speed. He could hit multiple 400-yard drives a week uh, this year. And when you look at the PG Tour schedule and you look at the kind of courses these guys go to, where the primary defenses for a lot of these places is length and it's thick rough. And with Bryson's strength and his swing speed, he can neuter a lot of these courses and and just put himself in position time and time again um, to make birdies and to, and to be in contention. So I'm I'm overall super high on Bryson. I think he's got an incredible work ethic. He's got an incredible mind for the game. Um, and no one's going to work harder than Bryson DeChambeau uh, week in, week out to figure this out. Um, so even if, even if it doesn't work for a couple weeks, I think he can put it together to the point to where um, he's going to get in contention. He's going to, like... Yes, things might not always go well for Bryson, but it's hard for me to imagine like a year where at least twice, like two weeks, where everything doesn't just go like everything goes right for him. You know, everything sets up well, and with his, when you just drive it 30, 40, 50 yards past like your competitors, like it just gives you so much margin for error. You know, because like yeah, he's not the best wedge player, but guess what? A bad wedge shot is still probably 15, 20 feet for birdie. You know what I mean? So. If his driver, as long as he's not spraying the ball like he did at Albany, um, and yeah, there are definitely courses that don't work for him, but uh, in whole, I think PJ Tour set up really well for Bryson. There's a reason he put on the distance. There's a reason that he does what he does. He's he's run the numbers and he's he's figured out that this is a, a a method that can succeed for him. And he's you know since putting on the weight, he's won three times in the PJ Tour, including the U.S. Open uh, in 2020 at Wingfoot. So yeah. It also, Bryson versus St. Andrews might be one of the most interesting player versus course dynamics we're ever going to see because the old course of St. Andrews, if you don't know, is one of the shorter like courses in major championship history. Uh, also, not very penal off the tee. So, hypothetically, Bryson could drive five or six of these greens, you know? And so, like, it's going to be really interesting to see. Um, 
you know, if he can kind of make the adjustments this time around at the, at the Open Championship. But yeah, I've got Bryson at three. Um, clearly a flawed player, like you said, but he's going to make it work at least a couple times this year and, and rack up some wins. So hmm, okay, that's where I've got him. I would agree with you wrong because honestly, I think if if I wasn't taking your feelings into this list, yeah. I think I would have had him probably like eight or nine. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I will say because this is this is kind of meant to be an introduction into like if you are just getting into golf, like guys that are watchable, like Bryson DeChambeau is the hottest ticket in town. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. if you if like there's a reason like he's getting this much press. Like he is a he is a joy to watch. Like he is like I mean he just went he just went and competed in the long drive championship no, and exactly. like Exactly. <laughs> Not just competed, he was top eight in yeah. like within the span of a week, he went from top eight in the world long drive championship to thirty six hole leader at a PJ tour event. I mean, like that's unprecedented. Um how someone can cross over between those two um at since he's Man, he's really changing the game, and, and I know he's got a lot of critics, and I understand the criticism, um, but you know, from just a just a for me a casual viewer of golf and, and a guy that and just enjoys the show that the PJ Tour puts on every single week, like I think he's um, he's one of the he's one of the best guys in the game uh, in terms of like if you're looking for uh, a spectacle, right? So that's what we need. We need we need characters, we need eyeballs, and yeah, you might have to like him, but I think he is good right. uh, for the overall game. So. All right. Um, I think I think these next two are probably the guys you have at eight or nine. I think I have them higher just because I think they've been there. Right. Like they've they've seen the pinnacle of the golf world before. Yeah. So I'm gonna say them in order because I think that I'm, I think these are the eight and nine that are on your list, but I have them as four and five on mine. But it's DJ and JT. Yeah, you have them in the correct order. I have it DJ at nine and and JT at eight. Okay. Um, yeah, look, if we were talking about, if we were here this time last year, 365 days ago, Dustin Johnson would be the top of this list. He's number one, right? Yeah, he just came off one of the most dominant stretches, winning the Masters, winning two FedEx Cup playoff events and the FedEx Cup, $15 million. I think he won four events in like six months post-COVID. Um, man, DJ's one of the most naturally gifted golfers we've ever seen. Um, the fact that he only has two majors... At this point, is just a testament of a bit of bad luck, a bit of you know maybe inexperience early in his career. Um, but Dustin Johnson is world class, man. There's no doubt in my mind that he could. I mean, he's a guy that he, I have him at nine now. He could easily go right back to one next year because when DJ's on, like it's just there's not much you can really do because uh, he's really sorted the putter out this past year. The driver's always going to be elite, um, and the iron play is up and down. But you know, like when you're when you're that. When you're that good at everything else, like all you need is one week for the iron to fire, and you're winning by ten, like you did at the Northern Trust back in 2020. Um, so yeah, DJ's at nine for me. The only reservation I have for DJ is the age. He he is 37 now. He is by far the oldest player on this list. And at some point, you do have to kind of take that into account. Like, is this just now maybe the new Dustin Johnson? Like, obviously a dangerous player, but we're talking player of the year. When we're talking number one in the world golf rankings, you know, and the man to beat week in week out in the PGA Tour. Is, does he have it week in, week out this time, you know? And and is the age eventually going to catch up to him and catch up to all of us? So for me, it, it, this year's a, a big year for DJ because we could see him, again, like I said, move up the rankings and become the man to beat again. Or if he has another year like this, then we have to seriously ask the question, like, is have we seen the best of Dustin Johnson? So, um, so yeah, again, it's a tough it's a tough thing to rank, you know, like, because we're speculating a lot when it comes to this. We've really only seen like one year of bad DJ. Before this, I think he had seven straight years of at least one win on the PGA Tour, a 
being the most dominant player in golf. Um, so I'm certainly not ready to write him off. But uh, but yeah, Dustin Johnson for me is nine just because of the question marks with the age and and you know. I mean, full disclosure, he just had a bad year last year. I mean, I, not only did he not win, but I don't he didn't have really even like a sniff of a win. You know, he really wasn't there on a Sunday, uh, from what I can remember. So uh, for a guy of DJ stature, that's just a really bad year, and um, hopefully he can turn it around. But um, with with the youth coming up and the guys that we've been talking about, uh, I can't in good conscience put him above uh, the guys like Cantley and Rory and, and Brooks right now, who have shown just more life. Mm-hmm. Right. So and, and eight is is Justin Thomas for me. You had him at four. Um, look, JT is incredibly incredibly talented. Um, second uh, only to more cow as far as iron play on the PGA Tour. Uh, great around the green player. Uh, the driver can get away from him sometimes, but you know when a course suits up well for Justin Thomas, he he can make birdies in a hurry. Um, probably one of the full disclosure, we kind of had a little side uh, project here about um, my little like comps to other sports um, for PGA Tour golfers. Uh, for Justin Thomas, my combo is Rafael Devers because when Justin Thomas gets hot, he can like legitimately tear up any golf course in, the, in America. Like if there's a bet of a guy to shoot 59 on the PGA Tour this year, like JT would be the favorite because there's just days where JT just makes birdie after birdie after birdie. But there's also days where he just struggles and he can't make a putt. Um, so he is kind of more hot and cold as opposed to a lot of these guys that you know you can kind of rely upon week in week out. Um, and so that's kind of why I have him at number eight is because he hasn't really. Um, kind of put four rounds together in a long time. You know, we really haven't seen like Pete Justin Thomas for a whole week. Even when he won the players, he came back from eight shots down and then went nuclear on the weekend. You know, so um, he's always he's always gonna be dangerous. But again, when you're talking about consistency week in week out, I- I'm gonna put him below a lot of the guys that that I feel like uh, when you go into a week, you kind of know more what you're gonna get. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Justin Thomas for sure. Um, one of the top players in the game and will be one of the top players in the game for a long time but uh, I've got him below uh, Cantley and three more guys that we'll be talking about here pretty shortly alright so yeah top three I feel feel good about mm-hmm. I think I nailed the top two number three is probably I'm way too high on but it's just no, you're it's not. kind of my guy yeah but uh, the guy that's I think he's uh, pretty hot in the world right now especially after winning Two in a row. Um, yeah, two in a row. <laughs> yep. So Victor Hovland, the Norwegian one. The Norwegian prince, yeah. The Viking prince. Uh, Victor Hovland, I have it four. I'm just behind Bryson. So we had almost the same top three. I had Bryson, the two guys are about to list. You had Victor, and the two guys are about to list. Um, but yeah, I mean, what can you say about Victor Hovland? Like, he's he's blue. He's as blue chip as it gets. I don't think there's anything that in this game that he can't do. Um, now with five worldwide wins... Funnily enough, none of them are in the continental U.S. He has two in, two in Mexico, one in the Bahamas, um, and then one in Germany on the European tour. So, uh, but there's no doubt in my mind. Hovland's got the game to compete in the PGA Tour. He's, you know, consistently, I feel like, week in, week out, maybe the most consistent golfer uh, of last year. I think it was kind of unfortunate. He, he had to wait until November to get his, that, his first win in 2021. Um, when we're talking about driving the golf ball, we talk about Bryson's distance. Uh, when you talk about distance plus accuracy, I think Hovland, one more guy on this list, um, Trump, even Bryson, when it comes to just being nails off the tee um, in terms of hitting fairways and hitting it a long way. Um, Hovland, also great approach player, probably third on this list when you compare to uh, Morikawa, JT. Hovland, for me, is third on the list. And the putter, 
Uh, he proved down the stretch of Hero World Challenge, man. He can make the clutch putts when he needs to. Um, and, you know, when you have the ball striking that Hoblin has, um, you don't really need your putter to be amazing, but it's good enough to make enough birdies to to definitely shoot up leaderboards. Uh, the thing with Hoblin, obviously, that everyone's going to talk about is the around the green play, the, the chipping. Um, but again, like, <laughs> when Victor's playing his best, like, he's not really chipping that much anyway. Um, he's a guy that, again... I'm bullish on pretty much everyone in the golf world's bullish on. I've already got a major future on, on him at the Masters of 33 to one. Um, I think I think huge, yeah, I think huge, <laughs> thing, huge things are in store for Victor Hovland uh, this year. And man, at 24 or I don't even know if it's 24. I think he might be 23. Chris, you want to fact check that for me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Victor Hovland, man, like, yeah, he, he's number four on this list. It, I will say it, it does feel a little bit weird to have him above. Rory, Brooks, JT, Dustin, Cantley, Spieth, guys that have won majors, won more than him, um, won bigger titles than him. I mean, his trophy case... 24. 24, okay, yeah, so I was right. Um, I mean, when you talk about, like, these top 12 guys, his trophy case outside of Burns might be the least impressive, but obviously he's had less time to accumulate, but he still hasn't won the continental U.S. yet. He's got a lot to prove, but man, everything we've seen just... The world is there for the kid, you know. So I'm I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna be the guy that's that's holding him back just because he hasn't quite got it done yet. Um, I've got all the confidence in the world. I mean, we saw it. We saw him, we've saw him close the deal against good fields at Mayakoba. He he held up Justin Thompson, Scotty Scheffler there in Mexico, and obviously uh, benefited from a little call more cow collapse, but still held off guys like Reed and Burns, uh, Scheffler there at the end at the Hero World Challenge at a tough golf at kind of a tough closing stretch there. So yeah, there's not much to say about the problem, man. He's just. He's a stud. We bet him a lot. Uh, cash ticket Mayakoba, and I think, uh, you know, he'll be cashing a lot more tickets in 2022. All right. Top two. Top two. And, yeah, it, this this is kind of <laughs> anticlimactic because Chris knows exactly number one is. Um, yeah, number two. See, uh, the current world number one. Correct. One-on-one in the fantasy draft going to <laughs> me. Um, I actually learned something. I was doing a little little Wikipedia search on him before. Um, Earlier in the night tonight. Yeah. Did you know he was the world number one as an amateur for 60 straight weeks? He broke a record. I did not know that, actually. Uh, and what else did I see, too? Oh, and when he was at Arizona State, mm-hmm. he won 11 college golf tournaments, second in school history behind only Phil Nicholson. Yep. Um, I did know that. I did know that. Yeah, he was... I mean, yeah, John Rahm was as blue chip as gets. I mean, all these guys, you kind of saw coming. Actually, with the exception of maybe Xander and probably Sam Burns as well. Xander was a guy that kind of came out of nowhere, but... For the most part, all these guys, you know, your your Roms, your Hovlins, your Rorys, your DJs, Speed, Thomas, Bryson, Brooks, like Cantley, you we know what we're gonna get, you know, like it's the same with NASCAR. Like we saw mm-hmm. we saw the success and it was only a matter of time before they found themselves in the running for, for being the man to be in the PJ tour. Uh, but yeah, John Rom, current world number one, is number two on my list. The twenty twenty one money leader, the reigning US Open champion. The full package. I mean, he's he's the best overall driver of the golf ball on earth for me uh, when combining distance with accuracy. Um, great touch around the greens that we've come to expect from the greats of the game uh, from Spain. You know, your Ballesteros, your Alfabel, your Sergio Garcias. Rahm is the next in that lineage of, of great Spanish golfers. Um, and unlike the number one player on this list, there really isn't a single facet of the game which Rahm is bad at. Um, and, you know, he... he should probably he should definitely count himself unlucky that his resume isn't even more boosted than uh, the one than the three titles I just listed. 
uh, form, considering you know he had the obviously the COVID withdrawal, the COVID force withdrawal at the Memorial with a six shot lead on Sunday, um, wasn't able to compete in his um, maiden Olympics for his beloved Spain uh, because of COVID as well, um, and really had some really really tough finishes uh, towards the end of 2021 in the FedEx Cup playoffs and the Open Championship where um, you know he was right there in the mix. Uh, probably could have, could have chased down more Calvin Spieth if he made a few more putts in the front nine and then obviously came up just short of Cantley um, in, in the FedEx Cup Finals or the uh, Tour Championship at Eastlake. Uh, was in the final group there at uh, the Northern Trust of Liberty National before he kind of chipped his way out of the tournament late and then was there with Cantley and Bryson up until kind of late Saturday, early Sunday uh, at the BMW. So, I mean, Rom, phenomenal year. Um, all around probably the most consistent player of 2021. Um, I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't blame you at all if you had him on number one. If you had him at number one on this list, um, but for me, it just comes down to kind of what Collins, the the full body work Collins put together, um, which will transition into Chris's number one and my number one, um, the least and the most anticlimactic number one of all time, uh, Colin Morikawa, um, who is my number one power ranked player for the play of the year race in twenty twenty two. For Colin, man, it, unlike Rom, who is kind of the generalist, just does everything phenomenally well, um, or does everything at, a, at least above average level, Colin is more of a mid-max sort of player. Um, he just has, like Bryson, very one definable, true skill. He's in the league of his own in the most important part of the game, in my opinion, uh, which is the approach player, the approach play. His irons are second to none. It's not just that Colin Morcow is the best iron player in the game. It's just that it's that Colin Morcow is... A tier above everyone else with the irons um and he stays true to himself with that game you know he, he hits fairways an elite rate to give himself as many looks as possible as irons um and so he's not really worried about the distance he's not worried about chasing anything he plays his game uh he's showing the mental fortitude to close down big tournaments um and he's you know he's steadily improved as we've seen him age uh, and come into his own on the pga tour um, statistically, the the bad news of Colin Morikawa, we've mentioned the strengths. The bad news, he is the worst putter of the top 12. Um, but the track record, um, I've seen clutch putts that he's made on the stretch, the Open, the WGC Mexico, uh, the PGA Championship at Harding Park, and the World Tour Finals in Dubai. Um, he's got the bottle to close the deal uh, with the flat stick when needed. Um, the good news with Colin, yeah, he might putt his way out of a tournament, but he will he will also go the other way and, uh, and gain enough strokes um, down the stretch of a tournament to, to close the deal. So... It's not like it's a constant weakness, it, it, but it does definitely come up week in, week out. That maybe um, contributes to why he's not as consistent as Rom week in, week out. But um, bottom line, Collins won more in the two and a half years he's been on tour than Rom has in six. You know, so that's that's really the thing for me uh, when it comes down to the player of the year. I just I maybe trust Colin more for better um, for better or for worse. I just think down the stretch, he's got the, he's got the tool that you need, um, the most important tool in golf. He is the best at, and um, and he's proven it down the stretch. I mean, he's won five PGA Tour events in two and a half years, which is mm-hmm. ridiculous. Two majors, WGC, uh, one at Mayfield Village. So, yeah, for me, Colin Morikawa, my number one power player to win the Player of the Year race. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this little fun little exercise. I I hope I was able to convey kind of the excitement I have uh, at the top of this list, and I think what what's so. Um, Let's see, what's the word? What is so captivating about the 2022 season 
It's just the fact that we're going to be able to see these these battles like live in action. Like it's not just going to be hypothetical. Um, me saying me wrecking Cantley over McElroy. Like I think we're going to week in week out see the titans of this game go back and forth with each other at the majors at the Bethesda playoff events, Mirfield Village, TBC Sawgrass, Bay Hill. You know, like there's you know uh, Riviera. Um, I think not only are these guys incredible, but I think they are have kind of established themselves as a bit of a tier above. Um, and so when we get to these elite fields, I'm just going to really be peppering the top and, and just enjoying the show because I think we're going to be in for a lot of really, really exciting battles on the stretch. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but Yeah. So I got three, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, well, once you got, once you got um, 12, I was kind of like, okay, well, this is over because I only got one and I know he's got the, I know he's got the one at the top of the list, so. Yeah. Kind of, kind of hamstrung myself there with uh, letting on too much. All right, but. cool deal. All right, well, so with that, um, we are done with our intro episode. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope we gave you some new names for for NASCAR to reconsider. I think I even gave you some some more yeah, insight on guys you probably never even really considered before. Yeah, I'm um, hoping the same for all for everybody else. And then in the golf world, like we now have um, a clear, pretty clear idea of why people, why these guys are ranked the way they are and. And uh, if you're something to look forward to for next year, yeah. And if you if you don't have a guy to, that you plan your flag on for me, like a NASCAR, this is probably one of the guys you're gonna want to plant your flag on in golf, um, especially the younger guys. Like, I think we are fans of the two youngest guys on the list. I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know how old Burns is, but uh, Burns is a little bit older than than Colin. And, okay, and, okay. And Victor. Um, so anywho, yeah. So that will do it for our uh, intro to the 2022 season. We officially started in 2021, and we ended in 2022 <laughs> recording this podcast. Yeah. Um, we'll be back early next week for the um, first golf preview of the year. Yep. And then uh, less than, actually about a month away from, from NASCAR beginning to back up. So. Yeah, man. I'm excited. I'm excited. The Central Tournament Champions, um, we're going to go pretty big on that one because I've, I've missed golf so much that I'm prepared to splash a few units uh, on the center, at the top of the board of the century. So. And we have the units to do it, so why not? There you go. Why not? Why not just splash them all away in like two weeks? All right. So with that being said, we're going to close out. Uh, we will we'll close out how's normal. If you aren't following at flag underscore hunting, you should do so. Catch on to some live ads next week in case you don't catch the podcast. And uh, yeah, here's to a uh, profitable, profitable 2022. Yeah, man. All right. We'll see you guys next week.